Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, and you're listening to the Nightmare Junkhead Podcast. What? of your consciousness like a bad dream you can't wake from this is the nightmare junkhead podcast a horror podcast that still has trouble understanding the true crime phenomenon my name is greg d i'm genius mcgee and on today's episode we're delving even deeper into the mouth of march madness as we welcome the who the hell is this for podcast and sledgehammer horror as they help us break down the remaining classics from our 2012 bracket and whether or not you've had to help reprogram a VCR, you can listen into our show. Simply search for Nightmare Junkhead wherever podcasts are played, hit subscribe, and when we drop our latest episode, it will download directly to your listening device of choice. All up in your Ethan Hawk hole. <laughs> and uh, you can find us hawking around on social media. Hey man, you want some drugs? You want some uh, uppers, downers, quaaludes, poppers, pills? You want uh, women? You want blow? You want What do you want, man? What do you want? <laughs> well, if you are out on Twitter, you can find us on Nightmare Junk, and on Facebook, at Nightmare Junkhead. And it is on that book of face where we have an events tab, which leads to shenanigans and botched surgery shenanigans. <laughs> and if you live in the Kansas City area, all you need to go is to screenland.com where they will take care of your botchings indoors and virtually. And oh boy, Genius McGee. Yes. The day this episode releases. Yes. Our latest Friday Night Fright. Oh <laughs> shit, my jeans are getting 50% more action here. <laughs> Well, oh wait, no, no, not quite yet. It's going to be, we're going to be pulling pranks with a cavalcade oh, of yeah! 80s genre actors. Too bad you're crazy. Too bad you're loony as hell. We're staying on brand on April Fool's Day by playing April Fool's Day. At least we're not making people think that we're showing Serbian film like we did last year. Well, yeah. The year before that. That was, uh, that that was, was our funny. nerds and nostalgia. We were <laughs> hinting we might show a Serbian film, but the practical, practical joke was good. But needless to say, you can come and check out uh, Rick Morehouse. We've got... Deborah uh, Foreman. Biff. We've got everyone from the 80s getting... Doing a little dead and breakfast. Mm -hmm. It's actually very cool. Now, the Muffy next Friday night's fright, uh, we are going ooey and gooey with this one. Yes. A little squiddly yes. diddly adjacent. Yes, yes, it is, actually. Uh, because... Little Grant Grant. <laughs> yes. Get your Dr. Pepper, because it's the only Coke alike. We are going to be taking in James Gunn's Slither, mm -hmm. which, if you have not seen, is a film that is all about... Kind of a great melding of practical effects with a little bit of CGI, but and, and Nathan Fillion. Yes, and it is definitely a uh, James Gunn's love letter to '80s. It comes from outer space, mm -hmm. quite literally. Sometimes in this case, <laughs> as we found out. Yeah. Now, of course, uh, the other repertory screenings that are going to be going on the weekend of April first. This is one I'm actually really excited for because we had a chance to screen this a couple of years ago as part of a triple feature that focused and highlighted the special effects work of one Ray Harryhausen. Yes! That is correct. Uh, Clash of the Titans will be playing this weekend. Release the Kraken! And if it's been a while since you've seen it, if you haven't seen it at oh, all... Oh, it's fucking rad. It so holds up. Oh, and so the, well. The score, actually, when we watched it over there... The score was amazing! I, 
I teared up a little, I'm not gonna lie. There's something about it that just really kind of pulled on my heartstrings there. And the owl. I've always wanted that owl. Bubo the owl. Yeah, of he's course. fucking rad. No, he's the shit. And then you've got Calabas, you've got- Calabas is cool. He's scary Calabas is get scary. Yes. Calabas is a fucking scary monster. Medusa. Medusa fucking is cool. She scares She's the fucking shit rad. Shit yeah. out of me because of that the sound. The when she would go, and then the good. Not gonna stop right now. Dude, Clash otherwise. of the Titans is fucking a wicked ass film. Gonna have to stare into a mirror to avoid the gaze. Uh, but if you would like to support Screenland from afar, uh, you've got a couple of ways that you can do that. Uh, you can go to ScreenlandOnline.com, where they do indeed have a variety of films that you can rent from them directly. Or you can become a member of their film family by going to Patreon.com/Screenland where amongst their many perks, they have a little bit of a watch party that Genius and I do. It's a little thing we call the Shutter Shutout. Mm -hmm. In fact, our last one actually was available on the 26th, yes. this last... Saturday. Saturday, yes. Mm -hmm. Of which we took in two films that are one competed, another one... Competing. Yes, as we took in both Basket Case and American Mary. Mm -hmm. Now, of course, both of those are streaming on Shutter. But if you join the film family, you're going to have access to some exclusive content that we put together, including a pre-show, customized introduction by Genius and myself, trailer reels, and of course, the scintillating post-film discussion where we try to process the two films that we take in. <laughs> so if that sounds like something you're interested in, head on over to patreon.com slash screenland. But uh, Genius, if I'm talking Patreon and film family... The bellies. We also have our own little weird film family put together at Patreon. And in fact, if you join us from the I've seen that tier and above, you'll actually hear our thoughts on Ty West's X. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Good. Mm -hmm. I'm still all for it. Me too. In a variety of ways that you can just mm -hmm. use your imagination where that goes. I liked that movie. But if you are on the Another Time... Another place. ...tier, you will have access to our commentary for An American Werewolf in London, which won <laughs> last year's Into the Mouth of March Madness. We kind of went off the rails on that one, didn't we? We we, 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 we went off we the moors. We went off the moors. Way off the moors. Completely, completely. So if that sounds like something you'd be interested, uh, head on over to patreon.com slash nightmarejunkhead, where we do indeed have every tier from a squiddly diddly to another time. Another place. Ah, yes. Well, genius. Yes. Scream 16, 2012. We're at the tail end, man. We're get, we're last, last decade. Last decade in the madness. And it's been a crazy wild ride. It's been a ride. A lot of things I didn't expect happened, happened. No, and that's the beauty of it. That's why we play everything out the way we do. And mm -hmm. I would say... If anyone knows Genius and myself, I'm not saying we're old by any by any means. I would experience we're, we're young at heart. Young at heart is also a good thing. Mm -hmm. But needless to say, if you stand on our lawns, if your music is too loud. We're going to tell you to get off it. We're going to yell at some clouds. Damn right we are. Damn right we are. And quite honestly, that's why I'm glad we can bring in some of the younger folk. Mm -hmm. In fact, our next guest, uh, not only do they have a wonderfully youthful perspective, but... Honestly, they're a little bit wizened with their years as well. And I don't know if that's maybe the, the steady diet of genre cinema, potentially, that adds a little salt and pepper to the beards, even though they're kind of baby faces occasionally. Uh, but one of the great things is uh, the, for the new format they went, went to their show, they're actually taking kind of a deep dive into genre... 
uh, genres, filmmakers, actors, and just basically celebrating all that is good. So please, from the Who the Hell Is This For podcast, welcome back to Nightmare Junkhead and into the mouth of March Madness, Ty, Jeff, and Riley. What's up, gentlemen? Not much. How's it going, guys? Happy to be here. Thanks for having us. I was waiting for the the, the roundabout yeah. way to get everyone there. <laughs> Thanks for doing this with us, guys. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I tweeted something, and this is just some preemptive car waxing, but I tweeted <laughs> something the other night while I was watching a movie. Oh, no, it was when I was listening to your guys' show uh, in a previous episode that might be the most contentious Nightmare Junkhead <laughs> I have ever heard. Uh Bubba Hotep versus Dog Soldiers? Uh, yes. That's the one. But, I mean, it. I I have been listening to you guys since I started getting into horror about five years ago, and it is a thrill every time that I am able to come on and join you guys. This is so fun. Well, it should be noted that the last time we guys had you on for Into the Mouth of March Madness, it was not complete. We were missing yes. one of the crucial components, which I'm glad we were able to get back in for this one, which obviously is is kind of fun now that being said uh where can our listeners find you guys out on social media please plug and promote away uh so you can find the show account at wthitf pod on twitter uh and my personal account you can follow me at manhunter is good uh <laughs> jeff and riley can go ahead and drop theirs <clears throat> in yeah mine's normal mine's at mr jeff nor uh, i created it before i got cool and started watching movies so it's it's the old boring account uh, and I'm at, let's see here, at underscore Riles23. Obviously, I don't give that out a lot. Uh, There's a great visual gag of that him you holding missed. the phone to like look at what's my what's my email again? We're the ones who are old, putting on his bifocals. We're talking about you guys, the young youthful perspective, and you're over there like, let me get my bifocals up, see if I can read. Can't let me pull up. Can't do a lot of the tweeting because of my rheumatism. Listen. <laughs> A lot has happened in the two years since we've been on your podcast. We have aged exponentially. Yeah, that's true. We did two years. That's 2020. That's There's a lot has changed. I was going to say, I think one of one of the last things I did out in the world before everything shut down was come and do this epi- do the episode two wow. years ago. Because it was, it was in... It, it was been... in March, right? Yes. Oh, oh, yeah. It was February. We recorded in Late February. February. Because... That was the same night that I closed on my house. That's right. And my wife texted me texted mid-episode. That's right. <laughs> That's right. It's these are the memories. I'm glad. Hopefully, I know. we can now. Memories. Magical shit happens at, at the Jersey Shore and on Nightmare Junkhead. But so it was the house, and then the pandemic. So I'm terrified of what comes gonna, when I leave this room. Fuck oh yeah, kaiju's coming. <laughs> She's gonna go outside, and the, the heavens are gonna open up and shit. It's gonna be like, like Independence Day over in North Kansas City. <laughs> you know that can't happen if we just never stop recording. That's true. So that's some oh, all that noise. Yeah. If we die in the podcast, we die in real life. <laughs> what is it, Pontypool? <laughs> Pontypod, Pontypod, Pontypod. Again, something I would watch and something I would listen to. I feel like I'm missing out on everything then because the way we've got everything set up is the little, see how the sausage is made is we're actually recording this episode over at Screenland in the back room of which I believe this is your two's first trip back here. It is. It is. Thankfully. Like, like the couch. We, I do. We, <laughs> we did reserve a uh, you know a seat over there for someone if everyone's brave enough to sit by genius. But I'm currently behind all the monitors, so I'm missing out on all the good stuff here. I feel like he's the, on the ones and twos. I, 
I am. I'm like the sound guy in this case. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and I'm sounding a little sad because I missed Riley's little, like, little visual humor. <laughs> you true. all are giggling. I'm like, what the hell is so funny? That's not, that's a normal handle. It helps us, on? though, because it helps us know what we need to explain for the listener as well. Because as soon as and we Greg. get a reaction and from Greg, <clears throat> we're like, okay, cool. We so should probably carry this. Not Verbal this. meme. Riley yes. is doing something with his phone. <laughs> We should eventually add like a visual component to this. We've talked about that way too long just because. Especially because after the other day when we were talking about like tuning Tokyo and all three of us did it the same like, me, me, me. <laughs> you know, so like. It's nothing to be proud of, my friend. No, no that's not, not the thing that we need. It's but... funny. <laughs> that's the, that's the high, that's the moniker of the show. Nothing to be proud of, but it's, it's funny. funny. So... <laughs> that's probably going to be my epitaph on my tombstone, sadly. <laughs> Now, that being said, I did mention that you guys recently kind of restructured the format of your show. Yes, and I I am so glad you brought that up. We have had such a fun time with... We've got two episodes in the new format under our belt. Um, By the time you're hearing this, as long as there aren't any issues editing, the uh, Raimi episode should be out uh, by the time you're hearing this. But so far, we have done an episode over the heist genre. We have done the Raimi episode... Uh, but it, it was something, one, it kind of came out of a need for us to just adapt to real life, and we can't sit down and record as often as we want and put in the time editing. So we're like, let's make one big episode every month talking about a wider area of movies, of genre specifically, because I think we've talked about off mic before that we think we're really in our bread and butter when we are talking genre stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this the kind of the prototype came when Jeff was out for an episode and Riley and I took the reins and did the anime episode. <laughs> yep. And I it it really kind of spun out of there. And honestly, I would love to do another anime episode if we can talk Jeff into it. Yeah, That's I a will great bring idea, Tyler. I will it, bring my on record. Of anime knowledge uh, to do the episode and you'll be like, "Wow, he's seen so many things." It, it's really just going to be an Evangelion episode, so don't worry. We'll just do specifically that one. We're going to do a breakdown of all 26 episodes. Yes. Oh, my God. I, uh, that, the, I've, I've always been so intimidated to dip my toe in the anime pool. Because there's so fucking much. And, and there's like seasons upon seasons upon And then seasons. there's also some of the more illicit or salacious stuff that I'm afraid I'm going to discover. And yeah. hey. Yeah. Don't art, dream. Right? Evangelion being <clears throat> one of those. Is there, like, well, we know that like, that's where a lot of squiddly diddly come from, but is there a lot of squiddly diddly in Evangelion? There's... Neo Neo squiddly diddly Genesis Evangelion? Or like mental squiddly diddly? Mental squiddly diddly and just a lot of... Mental squiddly diddly? Uh, More like sadness. Yes. Really? (laughs) It's Sadly diddly? They trick you like, hey, who wants to watch this Gundam-type mech anime? And no, just kidding, it's about depression. Wow. (laughs) Pretty sneaky, Gundam. <laughs> they do still fight. They do. That's true. That's fair. I mean, you got to mix it up. But that's everything it seems lately. And this is something Genius and I talk about all the time. It's all tied to trauma. It's just very rare anymore that you can have a good old-fashioned movie that is just fun. Fun. Not about grief. Now, don't get me wrong. Put that in my vein. I yes. love those trauma-based films. But I need to have fun every now and again as well. Mm-hmm. And so that's so if I'm going to have fun, what's a good fun anime? 
Were you going to say Demon Slayer? Because it's true, but also there's trauma. Well, no, I was going to say I was going to say Full Metal Alchemist. That's trauma right within there. Within a few episodes. That's trauma yeah, right yeah, there. Whoa, but, you're going like the trauma. Right. Yeah, I, I should yeah. say. Right. With I, people turning into dogs yeah, and shit yeah, like that, that. that. I happens was going to think maybe, cool. okay, are you going to say like something that a fun like One Punch Man or something? No. We're gonna go. I, we're gonna rip your fucking well, heart because out because there is so much of the fun side of things in Full Metal Alchemist as well. But they carry over that trauma, that grief piece a lot. Uh, My Hero Academia, I think, yeah. would probably be best. That one's fun. It it's a shonen take on the American, the Western superhero culture, and it's super fun. I personally think it's probably better than a lot of the superhero media we're getting uh in the west as far as comic books movies etc i think manga is superior but yeah that is for a different podcast tyler's just like who wants to fight that's <laughs> i have to i have to do this now when i'm not with andy vargas <laughs> that is fair that that's is fair. fair well and it's one of those things that I'm actually going to be talking and meeting with the anime club uh, where I work tomorrow. So I'm hoping to, I'm putting down notes so I can see yes. hip and cool. I'm like, hey, so fellow students. I heard something about La Blue Girl. <laughs> <laughs> Just uh, ask about, hey, how about that hospital scene in End of Evangelion? <laughs> And just see what reaction you get. Based on him, I'm going to probably get, like, escorted off campus. It's like, yeah, we can't have you working with students anymore. You need to go somewhere else. Be the um, meanest thing you could possibly do. I know. <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> Ask them up what it is, though. That's fair. That yes. That's fair. And then if now, if anyone knows, should I eye them a little differently? No, uh, because, I mean, I know what it is. Or I should say, if they respond enthusiastically. If they're real excited about yeah. it, If they're yes. like, hell yeah, that's <laughs> no, my yeah. favorite scene. <laughs> yeah. Is it, like, is it Red Wedding-ish? No! <laughs> or is it Squidly Diddly-ish? Because <laughs> <laughs> I need to know what he's going to get in for. I need to know if I need to film it or not. <laughs> Hello, fellow students. What about this Sailor Poon? No. 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 That's... Actually, you know what is a fun one? I thought of the weird lead-in, but Sailor Moon made me think of it because the creator of Sailor Moon is married to the creator of Hunter Hunter. Hunter Hunter is a very fun one that is not totally aimed at a younger audience. I it, There are a ton of episodes on multiple streaming services. Definitely worth a watch. I like Hunter Hunter a lot. No, they like uh, Simon and Simon? Exactly. And right Kramer vs. Kramer. Right on. Minus the mustache and divorces. <laughs> yes, exactly. I'm, I'm down. I'm down. Well, give us a little insight because I did listen to the heist episode. Really dug it. Um, and I like the format just in terms of like the, the was it the buckets that we're going into <laughs> just to see kind of the connectivity, at least with the, the various of the heist films. Mm -hmm. Now, the next one that you guys are tackling, and I cannot wait to listen to it um, because I know many of you said these are some of these first time viewings, but you all did kind of a little bit of a deep dive into some Raimi. Yes. And by Raimi, we're talking the one and only Sam Raimi. So can you give us a... And I get, it's, Ted does make an appearance. Ted, yes. We but talk most, about Ted. It is mostly Sam Raimi. Oh, that's, it, if you're talking Sam, Ted's going to show exactly. up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He's, oh, there he is. There he is. Um, can you at least tell our listeners what are the main films you guys talk about? Yes. So we each pick a film when we are talking about a director, genre, actor, whatever we decide to talk about, we all pick a film. And I chose Evil Dead Two. Uh, Jeff picked. Well, I originally oh, picked. Yes. I originally picked Drag Me to Hell. 
And then I watched Darkman as part of like my research for it, and we're like, we gotta swap out and talk about Darkman. Yeah. And then Riley, Riley, you want to talk about what, which one you picked? Well, and naturally, I picked Spider Man Two. Uh, Hell's yeah. And we wouldn't have Spider-Man 2 or Spider-Man without Darkman. Exactly. And, yeah. and we talk about that through line and the evolution in Raimi's work between those three movies. Uh, we talk about frequent Raimi collaborators. We talk about the hallmarks of a Raimi movie. And it's it's really fun. It's It was... I got emotional at several points real because I didn't realize how much the films of Sam Raimi like directly affected me and my journey into getting into genre, getting into everything. So it's it's a really fun episode that I think comes from the heart for from all of us. Well, and that's one of the things that I really do appreciate with your podcast is you all are very genuine when it comes to your enthusiasm for the films that you're going to be going into. And like I said, because you guys are a little bit younger, and that's no shade by any means. In fact, I feel kind of like like a creepy old dude. <laughs> what are you guys doing over there with that young flesh, you know? <laughs> it feels like something straight out of X at this point, you know? Just beware of the elderly. And I need to see X. I have not seen it. I cannot wait to see it. I, Speaking I, of Hanging Dong. It, Speaking it, of... Lots of dong. We, we we get into it. Shadow dong. Shadow dong. And dead uh, dong. And um, cameo by Big Jim Slade. <laughs> and um, stick around to the very end past the credits. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I you, have heard that. Yes, it is very worthwhile. Uh, but if you can, definitely, even though it's not part of the episode, a simple plan, put that on your list for Sam yeah. Raimi because it's serious Sam, which is wonderful. It's Bill Paxton. Oh. Uh, Bridget Fonda. It's um, Billy Bob. Billy Bob. Yes. It's <clears throat> legit good. And then For the Love of the Game, I haven't seen in a while, but it's got John C. Riley playing the catcher to Kevin Costner's pitcher. A real baseball. Don't I saw that look tight. <laughs> we, yeah, we, there's, I a heard Kev, that giggle, there's a Kevin Costner line in the, in the in the our episode for sure. A simple plan was the one that I think I was the most bummed about not being able to do that as part of the mm-hmm. research. We mm-hmm. had done I had redone the Spider Man, redone the Spider Man. Well, Spider-Man. you know, <laughs> Alan uh, Spider-Man? The Spider-Man movies. I don't know. James like, P. Spider-Man. Yeah, but I, I did not catch, unfortunately, Simple Plan, so that's something I, I plan on catching up on pretty soon. There's some deeper cuts with Raimi that are definitely mm. worth your time. And the, the biggest thing is we wanted to hit the ones that we felt like really capture, and he does so many things so well that it's hard to say we truly captured all of the things right. that make up a Sam Raimi movie, but the biggest things we felt like were the most present in those three specifically. Yep. It's perfect. It's perfect. I, I remember in Spider-Man 2, the, the surgery scene. Yes. I just was mm-hmm. like, I had the biggest cheese-eating grin when that happened. It is perfect. So I'm looking forward to the Raimi episode, and then I'm also looking forward to whatever else you guys end up doing. I'm excited. We, we have thrown around a couple ideas. I joked about it earlier, but we might revisit uh, another anime episode. We might do some John Carpenter. I have floated the idea of the Apocalypse Apocalypse Ooh. Trilogy specifically. Uh, what about you guys? What are some things you would want to touch on in the new format? You know, we've we've talked about um, doing things as small as, like, tropes mm-hmm. that you see in different movies, just to talk about, like, through lines that you find in different pieces of film that are not in the same era or not directed by the same people, but just have these spiritual connections to each other. Um, we also, something that we do as part of our um, our podcast is that, 
we try to encourage charitable giving as part of mm-hmm. our podcast. We normally mm-hmm. call out um, charities that are, are either local or in your area to donate to. And so that's something that we we plan to continue doing. Yes. Um, if you do make a donation to um, charities in your area and send us a screenshot, um, we would love for you to make a suggestion for the new format. Um, and we will probably do it. It, uh, it is see, a little more difficult I with see the Greg new... smiling, so I want to maybe throw out a caveat. <laughs> oh, that reminds me of the other episode I want to do, is our French Extreme episode. Oh, oh yeah. Boy. Yeah. Just a... Ty is really trying to get me fired from work, basically, I think. <laughs> it's the whole is the whole premise. I just want you to see martyrs. That's all that it comes down <laughs> it's, to. It's just care about everybody you. like freaks out about it's murders. one of my I favorites. Thought it was it, fine. It's I was like, it's I've a seen beautiful more, movie. It is. I was like, I've seen more horrible shit than this on like at my house. I've thought about more horrible <laughs> shit than this. I've drawn horrible shit, like more horrible shit than this on my trapper keeper when I was twelve. I'm like, I don't understand why everybody's like, oh my god, it's so yeah, okay. Now, don't get me wrong. When she gets her ass beat consistently, oh. yeah, that's pretty rough. But the flaying, there, yeah. <laughs> I love Jeff the, the hearing shotgun, all of the this. Shotgun, yeah, like, the shotgun blast of the teenager, point oh. blank. <laughs> Well, there's there's those, and then there's like inside, which yes. is one, that I'm one's not, fucked up. Have, okay, I need to still see. I that. would say inside is a more difficult watch than martyrs. Uh, Start I also, high tension. High tension's good to gateway. High tension uh, that brings extremities. you back. I watched High Tension for the first time at uh, Tapcade mm-hmm. at a screening you guys hosted yeah. before I got to know you at all. Before we started our podcast. And I remember I was like, I'd never seen it. And Genius, you introed it. And I was furious at the end. I was like, he gave it all away. He gave the whole thing what away. I, what did I say? I don't even remember. But <laughs> I'm pretty good at not giving things. I it like was a, a rep. It's a, if you get it, you get it. But if you don't. Yeah. I don't remember the reference, but that's I, usually my. I movie. think even <laughs> referencing that there was a big twist. Mm-hmm. And that's... that, and I was like, and I was watching for it the entire ah. time after that, which is, that's on me. You know, I should have just enjoyed the ride. It's tough to do occasionally, you know. It depends on how the seed is planted yes. with some of that. Now, I was well, the only grin I was going to give is I'm definitely going to be doing some some charitable giving, but hopefully you all are ready for your squiddly diddly episode. I... La, da, da, da. Speaking un- of the spiritual sequel to Possession. Ooh. I see. I thrive in the squiddly diddly stuff. Oh, so I'm. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. You really adopted squiddly diddly. I was born <laughs> in it. I was raised in it. I didn't see more than eight tentacles when I was nearly a man. <laughs> you want to talk about squiddly diddly? This is the main yeah. you come to. Good God. <laughs> when, when did we go off again? At proud or shamed? That's the <laughs> iffy. Well, and it's really funny. If you go back to the last time these gentlemen were with us on Into the Mouth of March Madness, we actually delved into a little bit of trauma. Ye- very much so. With one particular film. So I'm anxious. I'm curious. And I will talk more about it later. Was it The Strangers? <laughs> I'm so... I don't have headphones on this time, which is... Is Tamara home? <laughs> incredible. <laughs> Makes a big difference. every other time that I've guested and you test the mic with headphones on, it's about to be a Tyler-shaped hole in the floor <laughs> up through Greg's house. <laughs> Just add it to the, the many I have there, my friend. Well, we do have... Four possible films that maybe someone here has a little bit of trauma, a little bit of a past with, 
And we've got, and when looking at the matchups, actually, I was really excited because I realized they're very thematically similar. Yeah. Both of the mm-hmm. matchups. We do have VHS going up against Sinister and American Mary going up against Frankenweenie. So only on Nightmare Junkhead would Frankenweenie <laughs> yeah. go up against American Mary. And th- I'm glad. I'm yeah. very glad Me we too. made the, the change mm-hmm. with that because. Frankenweenie was wonderful. Mm-hmm. So oh, freaking good. Yeah. So yeah. freaking good. Yeah. So let's take a look at our two bits of dead media here with Sinister and VHS. And I'm going to throw it out to you all. Which one should we talk first? I think VHS. I, I agree. Let's do VHS and save save some stuff for Sinister because I think we could really dive in on that one. No, that totally works. Let me ask you. I'm going to throw it out to all you, Jeff, Riley, and uh, Ty. Were you familiar with VHS? Is this one, was this a first time watch? Is this like a repeat? What's your uh, history This is with a it? repeat for me. And in a later segment, I might talk about original viewings. Oh, okay. This was my, this was my second time. Um, I'm pretty sure I watched it all the way through on the first one, but I felt like the last segment or the last two segments were newer to me. Riley? And uh, first watch for me, Ooh. I was I was kind of familiar with you know the concept, um, but yeah, first watch for me. And so then, as the first time watcher, yeah, what'd you think? I, yeah, how did it hold up for you? Um, <laughs> I don't want to give away. Well, no, I'm trying to word this without you know just diving into my my pick for this matchup. Um, I enjoyed parts of it, or you know segments, mm-hmm. I guess. Um, the f- I think the first segment we get into. Um, with the, 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 the creepy like monster girl. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, the, I thought that was awesome. Um, I think that's frequently referred to by a lot of people as kind of their strongest segment. Yeah. Well, um, I do wish we would have gotten more of the, uh, you know, the, the main storyline of what's going on outside of the tapes. Mm-hmm. I think there was a really good element uh, that they could have gone with that kind of just petered out at the end. Um, overall, I was pretty middle of the road on it, honestly. <laughs> well, and I mean, you mentioned it. There, are the, That's the best thing with an anthology. Yeah, if you don't like something, just wait a few minutes and something else different pops Exactly. Mm-hmm. And it's very rare for a lot of them where every segment is like a banger. Um, and I would even argue in this case, I really, I actually like the book ending the way that this one works with uh, the radio silence guys at the very end with mm-hmm. the, the haunted whatever that was. Yeah, yeah, that was slick. And that one really got to me. So uh, going back then, uh, let me ask you this. How are you all with found footage? Because I love found footage. Okay. I, I am very into found footage. I own Blair Witch on VHS because that's, to me, there is no point in watching Blair Witch in HD. Like, you need to watch it <laughs> recorded on tape. Yeah. But I, there is something so special about the type of scares that found footage can create. It's it's similar to how people have described, you know, people are like, I can handle all kinds of horror movies, but I cannot play a single horror video game. And I think that found footage, get that kind of first person... It's not always first person, but a lot of the time, just it's more s- close knit, mm-hmm. and the the terror seems more real, more possible. And I I love found footage. What about you? Yeah, I I like found footage. Um, obviously, the kinetic way that it's filmed, where 
it always turns or like mm -hmm. they drop the camera or whatever that is. Occasionally, I get a little motion sick. You know what I mean with it because mm, it's very just it's so. very disorienting. Um, but I like it in general. I think it's very hard to do well. Mm -hmm. um, there is a lot of bad found footage. I think agreed. Um, and I think it's it's mostly just because people are trying to do things that haven't been done before. But a lot of times you'll find in found footage like the storytelling, like it doesn't make sense why they would have a camera or it doesn't make sense like why they would turn it off and turn it back on or yep. like whatever. So I think like when you can do it really well, and I would say there's a couple segments that I thought did really well mm -hmm. and a couple segments that I was like, I'm not sure I buy why they would be filming. At this Which ones? Moment. Which ones in particular? So um, like the, I so I really like the second segment where they're doing the, like the honeymoon oh, yeah. and they're traveling yeah. around. But I, I found some of the times when they would be turning on or off the camera to like just not work. And I'm, I'm struggling to think mm -hmm. of the example that I was thinking sure. of before, but there were just a couple where I was just like, this seems, this stream of consciousness seemed a little off with that one, I thought. That's fair, almost like edited in a particular way that is just more convenient <clears throat> for the film. Correct, I mean, it's, it, it and it's not all like this, right? But there's right. a couple of them where it felt like it was story first and then filming second in terms of would it make sense for someone to have turned on their camera mm. or put it down at this moment. And that, I think, is just – it's just hard to do it really well. And the ones that do it really well nail it. I mean, obviously, Blair Witch is, is a classic yes. for a reason. Well, I, I really love that Blair Witch, they bake it into the narrative. And I think that's the mark of a good found footage movie is when you provide a reason for the camera to still be rolling. And when Heather is saying, I just I have to keep recording and they are questioning her within the movie. Why are we doing Why do you still have the camera going? And I think I think that is a great approach to it. And what makes a very solid found footage movie? What about you? Yeah, I, I can't. I'm not a found footage guy. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, obviously, the ones that do it well, you know, like Blair Witch. Yeah, it works for those. But I think as a whole, I think there's more bad than good out there. Yeah, um, I'm with you. I, so, think, I, think because... I think it all stems. Uh, my first found footage was my dad and I went to see Cloverfield. Oh no! Oh. I believe that was my first found footage. Easy guy. I I will go to bat for Cloverfield. Not necessarily, and uh, Ten Cloverfield Lane. I will go to bat for the other stuff. Probably not, but I still think Cloverfield is a great found footage take on the Kaiju movie. Mm -hmm. And I, I saw that in the theater as well, and. Um, Amy at the time was not a big found footage fan. So needless to say, I don't know if I had told her beforehand, but she basically had to keep her head like down the entire time for that film. I'm going to have to agree with you on this one, man. I think there's more bad found footage than good found agree, footage. Yeah. And I'm going to disagree with you on Cloverfield. There was some good stuff on it. But for overall, I think Shin Godzilla did a significantly better job oh, than showing God. a found footage Kaiju yes, film. I mean, and the story made a little bit more sense. And fuck T.J. Miller. I, well, I was just gonna say saying. the worst part. The worst part of Cloverfield is T.J. Miller. And as I go to bat for Cloverfield Ten, and I will go to bat for Cloverfield Paradox. I thought those movies were dope, especially when I his never, hand was wiggling around. I never saw Paradox, but yeah, Ten Cloverfield Lane is a completely on a completely different level. Agreed. Right, Cloverfield. Um, I th and performance I, wise, story wise. 
I have to defend my honor here, and obviously Shin Godzilla is the best kaiju movie, in my opinion. I think it it nails everything that you want out of a kaiju movie, um, but I, I appreciate Cloverfield for no, what it does. No, don't get me wrong. I appreciate Cloverfield. I saw it in the theater, you know, and but at the same time, I'm not the biggest found footage fan, yeah. but when I do like a found footage movie, and, it, and like you, I think when it hits, it fucking hits hard, mm-hmm. and there's some that hit harder significantly better than this than other ones i will go and say it i think vhs is a significantly better found footage franchise than paranormal activity ever is i think that's ooh. Ooh. wow i said oh. it's my show god damn it no, let's go. <laughs> there's the door <laughs> and thank you this ends our complete men march madness and i'm currently winner no um <laughs> i think oh, i got I'm, I'm saying it because you know what I'm sitting there watching Paranormal Activity going man this is boring as fuck at least with at least with VHS I'm having the entertainment of being like anthologies there's different yeah. shit there's spooky shit and it's not just a family sitting around their living room waiting for spooky fuck to you happen know, I, you know there's a fun story with <laughs> Paranormal Activity specifically the third one um, this happened back in college. Tyler, this would have been 2011? Is Tyler Maybe home? early 2012. 2012, because I, um, Insidious was one I tackled again in college and hated, and I talked about it on yep. the last time oh, we yeah. were on. Oh, yeah. Insidious scared the fuck out of me. Yeah, yeah, but uh, Riley, because you, you remember the Paranormal Activity story, so because Paranormal Activity came after we watched Insidious, I think. Yeah, so we went as a group to see Paranormal Activity 3. Um, at this point, I was an extreme horror movie virgin. I mean, I had seen, mm. you know, Halloween and stuff like that. Uh, and Tyler and I, for, man, this it, it got us big time. Oh, yeah? We, we were, were holding each other in the we theater. Were like, <laughs> like popcorn in the air. <laughs> that guy <laughs> from the old the intro? At the like the old movie theater intro, the guy who throws his popcorn yeah. up in the air—that was both of us. That's We're funny. holding so, on to each other. What was the scare? I, it's it's I that final act. The, it was that yeah. final act where it really kicks in gear and the it changes entirely from the haunting to suddenly the cult is pulling the strings and they are all over the house and Ooh. all over the property. And it, it was one at the time. I so mean, it turns into mother. Basically, yeah. The, uh, the movie that started well, uh, our podcast. Uh, 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 say it right. Mother! 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 <laughs> Mother. <laughs> no, that's a different movie. Now, now okay, so I'm going to donate and I'm going to say, okay, you guys need to do a Glenn Danzig retrospective. Oh, God. Oh, fuck me. I refuse to watch. I'm going to put a price threshold on us watching Veronica because I've done it just, once and that's it. You don't want any more the Dajit? To not do it. You, you don't want any more the Tears of Dajit with oh, Boobies? And yeah. Le Neckbreaker? Did, did you say Boobies? Uh-huh. I don't think we said that in the original one if not. Uh, it's there in Veronica. Boobies. <laughs> well, there's technically... Some verotic stuff going on in VHS. I like you. And oh, <laughs> and let's also—I don't think we broke it out the last time we talked VHS, but dong, dong. Yeah, it's the got the we yep. dong gong approved. Yes, I uh, so I wanted to talk a little bit about specific segments, mm-hmm. uh, and like I had mentioned, my I originally thought Amateur Night, uh, the David Bruckner segment, was the strongest. 
Uh, but on a rewatch, the I believe I'm pulling it up real quick. I forget the official title of it, but it is the one in the forest. Oh, Tuesday the seventeenth. Tuesday the seventeenth. Yes. I think it strays so close to almost being a cosmic horror type of movie. And see that. the jump cuts to the carnage that has happened is mm-hmm. so good. The, it also is a segment with probably some of the weakest performances, I think. But the the structure of it and the scares are incredible. And I love how it's built. And that on rewatch, this managed to be, I think, my favorite segment of all of them. That's cool. That's the beauty of rewatching this stuff a lot of the times. Like we always talk about the baggage you bring with each viewing, but you know, the stuff you've gone through will affect those. Um, I will also admit the one that got me and Genius and I were talking about is the Joe Swan, not the Joe Swanberg one. That's the, no, that's the one you were digging on, was it not? No, that's the, I, the one I'm digging on was the last one, the Radio Silence one. Okay. And the first one. Okay. The one I didn't like was the Ty West one. That's the one that's Ty West. Which is the one starring Swanberg. Yes. 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 And because I was like, turn off the camera and like, we just got finished with succubuses, and we're gonna see some fucking monsters, and now we're just seeing bad a random couples. killer. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's so, fair. Like, That's fair. But, but I, did, I really, I really, really enjoyed the last one more this time than I did last one, and I, maybe because I was like, oh, it's radio silence. Now that I know. Who they are. Well, there's also a few things during that segment. I'm like, how the hell did they oh, do that? Oh, the hands yeah. coming out yes. of the wall. The, that was the Day slick. of the Dead yeah. hands. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it's ridiculously good, and that's the one that always kind of was a standout. And I, you know, recency. That's you know, you go out with a bang. That's what people will yeah. remember, mm-hmm. and ideally walk away going, oh. I think that's my favorite one out of all of them. Uh, Jeff, did you have a favorite? Um. I really like the first one. Mm-hmm. Um, it's good. It is really good. I mostly just like how, I don't know, there's something about a horror movie where like you can tell something's wrong really early <laughs> and then they wait for a while. Mm-hmm. There's just, like, I just, I like a horror movie that like starts with a kill yeah. or starts with something bad happening. And so like when she's in the bar and she's like, I like you, you're like, fuck, right away. <laughs> like right away, these dudes are dead. And I also think that especially I think in all the anthologies, but especially this one, like um, the, the, the main characters, like you, you don't care if they die mm-hmm. because they're such fucking dirtbags. Yes. Right. Yeah. And so like, there is something, especially in a movie that gets really, really violent. There is something a little bit rewarding about the people like kind of deserving it. It's, yeah. It's like cool. in the first one, we call yeah. it, yeah. we call this people to die. You come right. up and it's bro muppets. Yeah. Yeah. In this yeah. case. Yeah. And so I was like, yeah, I'm not that, not that sad they all did. I would have I would have put money down prior to recording this that that was going to be your favorite segment solely because of the director. <laughs> ah, are you a fan of the Nighthouse? Well, I don't know if I I don't I don't know no. if I knew who directed it. Well, so I would say if I had to guess, Rituals probably okay. in one of your oh, top yeah, yeah, five yeah, favorite yeah. movies. I don't know that I connected that yeah. it was the same yep. person. Okay. Yep. And yeah, going to be doing the new Hellraiser film. Yes. Oh, shit. Yeah, and now, I loved right. The Night House out of last year, which I is really hitting love. HBO Max in like two weeks. Soon, nice. yes. And I, I, I can't wait for it to find its audience like The Empty Man did. Mm-hmm. It's going to be the exact same trajectory. Night House is great. That's one I haven't seen, so I'm looking forward yeah. to that, that one coming out. Riley, I know this one was a little hit or miss with you, but it, did you have... Oh, okay. <laughs> so, okay. <laughs> See, this is the this yes. is the problem. I don't have that 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 view. That, oh, wow, it's all dark on that side. <laughs> Riley stepped away. Yes. Oh, that is. Riley's not here anymore. 
Well, we did just do his memorial, so that's fair. Yes, that is fair. the uh, the Riley Barker Memorial Golf Tournament hosted at Cinderblock Brewing. Uh, something I wanted to talk about with kind of that David Bruckner note is just the directors we have attached to all of these segments are huge. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Adam Wingard, yep. uh, Ty West, Swanberg, uh, the Radio Silence guys, and Glenn McQuaid, who has done a couple other things that I have not seen, uh, but I mean. So, so much incredible stuff, because I would say, I mean, The Ritual is one of Jeff's favorite movies. Mm -hmm. The Guest is one of my favorite movies. The Guest is slick. And, I mean, I know Ty West has a huge following. We just talked about X a little bit ago. It's it was it's basically like a springboard for a lot of your favorite mm-hmm. indie horror directors just all coming together, collaborating, and making something that, like you said, spawned a franchise. Yeah. An unlikely franchise, which I will go to bat for VHS two and VHS ninety four. I'm going to say that VHS two I haven't seen ninety four yet, and that's on the I heard list. really good thing. VH two VHS two is one of the the best found footage. Incredible. Of the all seg- time. Because, uh, you amazing. know, then we go into that. We've got uh, Timo Gigianto. Oh, Timo segment. segment is the fucking shit. They, can, they should make a whole movie of just Timo's segment. Yes. And... Uh, the eyeball and, one was cool. Yeah, the uh, eyeball one. And who... The the eyeball one was one of the mumble gore guys. Mm-hmm. I, don't... I, I think, actually, that was Wingard that okay. did the eyeball one. Yeah. But uh, then I know VHS 94 a has a director who... I don't think has a huge market, but I know all four of us in this room are a fan, is Ryan Prowse. Oh, yes. Oh, oh yeah. Low Life. Fucking low Life. Oh, yeah. yeah. He oh, has yeah. a segment in 94. Okay. gave me a giggle because they basically, I'm not going to spoil anything too much, but they weaponize the blood of something, and it plays pretty well, actually. It's it's legit got, it's got a low life vibe, actually, to yeah, it. Yeah, I... Soy el monstruo. It, I, and I want I want to do an episode that somehow involves the low life oh, yeah. in our new format. Just do something with luchadors. Yeah, do that's a great idea. Dude, Santo, Blue Demon, Blue Demon versus there the monsters. If you haven't seen stuff. that movie, I fucking watch not. that movie. It's great. It's what cool. was what was the short that um, Gigi Saul Guerrero did? Oh, oh. it's um, WrestleMania. No, not WrestleMania. Um, El Gigante. El Gigante. Okay, yes, because I've heard that's phenomenal. It's, it's really good. Okay. It's, it's fucking so great. It's so freaking slick, because right away you go, oh, yeah, she, she's got a vision, and she knows how to achieve it. It's mm-hmm. so freaking good. Um, other thoughts on VHS before we head over to... I think the other weakest part, and it, it plays into the comeuppance, but, and I know they're trying to make a statement on exploitation films, things like that, but the kind of the elements of sexual violence and manipulation don't super play well. Like they, I get that they're building these guys up to be despicable. And this is across multiple segments. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. in, in three of the five, this comes up as a pretty significant right. linchpin and it, it builds up for that comeuppance. Well, but also like it kind of feels cheap at the end. And it, it's, it's the thing of, you set out to make a comment about exploitation films, but you just made an exploitation film without really doing anything unique with it. So I, I think that's kind of the one, the one detriment to VHS. Do you got any final thoughts on um, VHS before we move on to Sinister? Uh, no, let's do it. So from VHS tapes to uh, even off, yes. <laughs> so with Sinister. So let's hey, let's make it work. Let's let's get everything ready. Let's talk about Sinister. You, again, that's gonna throw me off. Let's let's that's make let's really do. Really gonna throw do me off. No harm. So how are we gonna make this one work? Let me throw it out here. Was yeah. this anyone's first time viewing of Sinister? I think we had all seen it. This is the movie I think I've seen the most times. 
Oh, snap. Wow. Okay, so. Have you seen part two? There's a part two of Sinister? There is. I guess exactly. not. <laughs> I, I have heard. I is it say, called Sinister 2? Sinister yeah. Sinister 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 yeah. I liked it. What? It is on I Netflix, it cool. I think. Sinister is Netflix, 1 is not. Yeah. Which I know. I was shocked at I think it. it's their attempt to get more eyes on Sinister 2. More well, than or, or because Ethan Hawke has got that new movie out, so maybe they're like, oh, let's move it is, to HBO. Is Ethan Hawke in this? He's not in the second one. Well, I he didn't make no. it through no, Sinister. No, well, that's why I was asking. <laughs> that's why I was asking. That's why it's not. No, but I, I didn't mind. I liked Sinister well, let me 2, ask, actually. Let me ask you guys this. Did any of you see it in the theater back in 2012? No, I did not. I no. wish. I no. wish I could go see this Would have been a great experience in yeah. the theater. That's so a, you kids miss the miss of... Uh, submissive parenting like back in the day when we could go to the mall and see all these R-rated movies and well, hold on we were all in college when this movie came out <laughs> not that young I just I don't think any of us had really like Riley said that was around the time of that par- paranormal activity incident yep. uh, that we just <laughs> We haven't really dove into horror at that point yet. Yeah, I would say. I mean, I don't know. I don't know if Riley feels this way. I would credit Ty and Riley in this podcast for like getting me into horror. You know, like just the the environment around me is now filled with more people who love horror, and so I naturally find myself inclined to watch more of that than I used to. So I would say. I mean, I watched some in high school, some in college, but not at all to the volume that I watch it now. Mm-hmm, and right. so there are very few of these movies that I really saw. There's a lot of shitty horror I saw in theaters for some reason. Oh, yeah. Like, mm-hmm. uh, like The Woman in Black that has the... I uh, like the that Daniel movie! Rad- Daniel Radcliffe one? I'm not saying... And I like look, Part 2 better, though. Part 2 better was... So the I haven't seen... The, look. There's a Part 2! I had fun. <laughs> I had fun, right? But, like, it's not on the list of all these classic things that I wish right, I would have seen, right? right? Sure. So that's my example of maybe, maybe mid-grade horror... Right, but that would be something I saw in theaters versus all the cool stuff that I yeah wish like, I would have seen in theaters. Like when I went to see Quarantine. <laughs> <laughs> Quarantine has one of my favorite like not supposed to be funny scenes though when the body drops a couple of floors and goes ah bam wow and I I thought I thought about that this franchise earlier because I looked over and on the shelf my eyes immediately met Wreck which. Oh, yeah. Incredible. And when you compare the two, there is there is no right. reason to watch Quarantine when you have Wreck. Right. That's, that's what I was kind of alluding to. Mm-hmm. But, Jeff, yeah, I'll absolutely take credit for introducing <laughs> you into horror. Sure. Yeah. yeah, why not? And, yeah, you. I mean, you <laughs> growing up, you were my introduction to a lot of horror, too, Riley, because I remember you got me to watch Alien vs. Predator, which was my introduction <laughs> to both. Ye- the Yachtjas and the Xenomorphs. That, well, honestly, then, that was my introduction to them as well. Yeah. That was the first thing I had seen in either franchise. And Guaranteed like many people, yeah, reverse engineered into that. Mm-hmm. But you had the the, the, the the enthusiasm to reverse engineer. Not everyone does that. Yeah. yeah. And then, I mean... Well, then I, I'll have to credit my dad then, because he was the one that introduced me to everything. Because um, my dad's a huge, uh, you know, old sci-fi horror he watches Sven Gulli every night in his garage, or not every <laughs> yeah. night, every Saturday in his garage. Um, yeah, so. I remember you telling me in, oh, this would have been middle school when AVP came out, and you telling me, like, hey, I went to go see Alien vs. Predator with my dad. It is awesome. And doing the schoolyard thing of going beat by beat of all the cool things that happened. <laughs> I remember specifically 
the hallway right outside of the room, the exact spot at middle school that we were at when Riley told me about all this. Oh, yeah. I have. That's a funny, like, horror and or, like, R-rated movie thing was, like, you didn't get to see it because your family wouldn't let you, but you had the cool friend who could tell you all about yeah. it. Oh, yeah. Oh, and they're yeah. like, this movie doesn't even have a rating. It's rated like yeah. XXX rated X. or something. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, I think you watched a porn movie, man. <laughs> I was a big Wikipedia guy for reading the synopses of the horror movies and freaking myself out. Like, oh, that's crazy. <laughs> That's probably where you got into like horror fiction. Oh, yeah, absolutely. From Wikipedia. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, I'm kind of curious how many people still probably do that. I think that's still times. a very common like gateway to getting into horror. Yeah. Well, so, and I, again, I'm not going to harp too much on your, your youthful exuberance, but you all are of the generation that you pretty much have always had like the internet. For the yeah. most part, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, we we learned how to use the internet like when in you're... the Wild West stages yes. of the internet, <laughs> which is wonderful because the internet does come into play in Sinister. Yeah, which I actually had always forget about, and I'll tell you the one thing I always forget about this goddamn movie, not necessarily uh, uh, Ethan Hawke's sweater vest game, but freaking Vincent D'Onofrio. Yeah, yes. Oh, yeah. just showing Great up. What a cameo, right? And giving us like the exposition of Bagul. His voice is so perfect for the role. And also, like, I love rewatching it now. And it's like, oh, yeah, they shot this because, uh, you know, they couldn't have him on set due to the pandemic. I'm like, this is in 2012. <laughs> I just, I see a video call now and I assume it's, that's what's happening. I'm, that's oh. not shocking at all, man. That's, that's and I've how, seen this movie before, too. Yeah. That's the baggage you bring, my yeah, friend. That's that's right. shit, the last two years have altered the way we look at a number of, hell, the thing plays completely different now. Yes. Jaws plays completely different now. I saw Jaws practically by myself in theater one back when we were just really coming back in the pandemic and that whole Mayor Vaughn speech. I would have had to leave. Like that's, it was chilling when it happened. It's just, it's frightening. Um, Let me ask you this with Bagul being what he is. Do we think that any movie with a killer kid is inspired by him or is caused by him? Ooh. Ooh. The Bagul unification theory. I like the... <laughs> Let's get all the kids. Bagul- the Bagulification. <laughs> Bagulification, I like that. <laughs> I'm going to say Bagul- nay. Bagul is just the voice, uh, the, the silver v- shamrock voice. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. It's time. It's time, kids. Kill everybody. Kill your families. Kill your fa- Drown them. Throw them in a car and light it on fire. That's Run right. them over with a lawnmower. <laughs> So you guys referenced a few things back to back there that I, I mean, it, it's what you come to Sinister for. Well, outside of Sinister. Ethan Hawke, <laughs> <laughs> what you come to Sinister for outside of Ethan Hawke doing horror, because I, that's, it's a great combination, but the, the snuff films in this movie are the highlight. Like it's some, some of the most well-crafted scares I think I've ever seen. It's great because it's creepy. It's unnerving. And it's got that whole like grit and grain of it. And you know, you're seeing some vile fucking and they- shit. They almost turn into like a, an anthology of their own. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm staring at the reflection. I, I realized that's what was happening. <laughs> Sorry, I'm you know, giving Ty the heebie-jeebies here, staring beyond him. Well, going, Jeff or Greg home. pointed at me, but not really at me. He was reflection. pointing at the reflection of Riley. 
And I was like, I don't have a point ready. Throwing everyone off. No, you know, they, oh, go ahead. No, I was going to say, they shot everything on Super 8, mm -hmm. which does lend to the actual gritty and authenticity feel. But it's when we get the extended cuts that it really got me, and especially yes. with the hanging scene. The, the way the little girl is just having fun swinging on the relatives as they are swinging. Yeah. That has stayed with me and it will not get out of my head. It is, oh my God. It's terrifying because one, killer kids are creepy in general, but two, you see all these horrific murders and then you don't realize that it's a child yep. killing mm -hmm. his entire family. And it's not like, hey, I'm a creepy kid and I'm gonna stab, stab, stab. No. I'm going to lock him in a car mm -hmm. and light the car on fire. Methodically and ritualistically yes. I'm gonna sacrifice my family. I'm going to one by one drown him yeah. in a pool with cinder blocks and lawn chairs. That's the one that gets me the most, I think. They're all very good. And the lawnmower one is obviously, I think, the scariest because it's constructed as a jump scare. Yeah. Uh, but the, the pool one is what really, really gets me. I think there's something like... There's something about a kill in a horror movie that the longer it takes, I think that the more terrifying, the more squeamish you get. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so, so many of these kills that the kids do aren't quick. No, no, you know, no. Like, no. Yeah. like they're the the hanging takes a long time, the drowning takes a long time. Like they light the car the on car fire. Takes a long time. Like the most instantaneous, I guess, would be the lawnmower, maybe. But even when they like slice their throats, they're like going one by one, mm -hmm. and you you see it in the reflection of Ethan Hawke's glasses, and and you see him react to mm -hmm. the pain of what this would be. And I think that's what what makes the snuff it. Like if it was just like the kid shooting them or stabbing them or something mm -hmm. like that it would still have impact but it's something about the the drawn out and there's there's like the repeating it's, score with oh, it too that yeah, yeah that yes, fucks with me too by the end there's something so like ethereal about the or ethereal Ethereal. Ethereal? Hey, Sinister. <laughs> we started our very first episode uh, with the allegory versus allegory debate <laughs> years ago. So this is this yeah, should you not were be wrong then as well. I learned how to say things by reading. I was a reader. <laughs> you put the wrong emphasis on the wrong. You put the emphasis on the wrong syllable. That's, That's right. okay. It happens. It happens. Um. Oh, what, oh, I had a connective thought. Shit, it just left me. You were going to say something. Yeah, I was saying, I think what another aspect to kind of what go with Jeff was saying is the fact that you, in those snuff films, you you watch the the, the family struggle. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. You're watching them react to being drowned. You're watching them kick their legs around when they're being hanged. You're, you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I would say this is, so, so, um, like I was a late entry to horror, I would say my wife was as well. And I would say now, like every October, basically from when September starts and it starts getting cold, we like basically only watch horror movies for like two months. Mm -hmm. And then for the rest of the year, like not, not all the time, it's a little bit harder to get back in the mood for that. For it. But this was one that we watched together, I think, for the first time. Uh, like two or three years ago when we kind of started doing this new tradition. And this movie is like right up to the edge of what like she can kind of handle. Mm -hmm. And I would like, it's, it's the length of the kills and you're just like, this movie is rough. It's fucking dark. It's mean. And the bat, the worst part about it is when the kids kill, they're not like, I'm an evil, scary kid. It's like, 
just yeah, having fun. Little, like you said, that, just oh. just swinging on the bodies, just oh. being innocent, and just like yeah, they don't. They either don't realize the weight, or right. the way that they're filmed makes you think they don't realize the weight. Yeah, and it's really sinister. Right, and then the, <laughs> yay! But uh, <laughs> he's at the magic word. Yay! <laughs> Movie title. I I think that I mean, just the the trilogy of bad name or like bad word name is just really strong with insidious yep. uh sinister and malignant and yep. conjuring and conjuring well that's just a that's a thing that's a magic trick that's true abracadabra but that's, yeah that's, lots of good conjuring but see <laughs> <laughs> lots of nice positive christian conjuring going on <laughs> see, some would it, say jesus was conjured it, i don't think they would <laughs> You're listening to Blasphemy Junkhead. That was, uh, that was no, Joseph's I was explanation. Thinking, I, was, I forgot what the fuck I was going to say. That was Mary's Thanks, explanation, I, was, I believe. Um, <laughs> just conjured. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. That's right. Now, now I just reconjured my imagination. No, um, I think that added to the whole like confusion of things. Because you had, around the same time, you had The Conjuring, you had Sinister, you had Insidious, mm-hmm. you had all this stuff. Now you throw in Malignant, another James Wan film, you know? So, like, you have all these, like, one-word titles that are just there, you know? Because yeah. a lot of people, Those are like, all Bloomhouse, right? No, I don't think so. I have to double-check on that I'll one. have to double-check on that Conjuring one. is, Insidious is... I thought, I thought Sinister was Bloomhouse. Sinister, Sinister is... Bloomhouse? Sinister. Yeah. So then, well, I guess yeah, all... is the only one that is not. Yeah, I was just talking about those yeah. three. Yeah. But yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, those first three came all out at the same time. So a lot of mm-hmm. people are like, have you seen Conjuring? Oh, you mean the one with Bagul? No. <laughs> oh, you mean the one with the little boy in the uh, either ether world? No, no, not that one. Oh, um, which one was that? You know, the one with the clap, sad sack, <laughs> Lily Taylor. Oh yeah, I've seen that one. <laughs> and that was before. I also had that issue as well. Now, yeah. uh, final thoughts on Sinister before we actually put these two head to head. So I, I th- we talked about it a little bit, but to me, like the snuff films are probably the, the key part of this movie. But to me, this movie doesn't work if it's not Ethan Hawke. Because yeah. like there there are characters, like the, the daughter and the son are characters mm-hmm. and the wife's a character. But like this movie is 80% Ethan Hawke yeah. just by himself on screen, reacting emoting and things. reacting. Yeah. And, and I, I love Ethan Hawke in everything. But this is one of my favorite Ethan Hawke performances because he's not even doing that much, but what he's doing is incredible. Yeah. And and you don't get – I feel like you don't get – like this movie is not as good if you put anybody else in the role, in my opinion. I will totally agree with that. Mm-hmm. And I really yeah, like the that. dynamic between him and the wife. And yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You tell me we moved close to a murder house? No, we didn't no. move close to a murder house. <laughs> also, <laughs> technically not, he yeah. wasn't lying. He was like, no, we didn't move close to also, a murder house. <laughs> not that characters need a reason to be British, but uh, – she didn't need a reason to be British. Like just, they, it didn't. It there was. It's not. And also, not that British people need to be explained. But uh, <laughs> why is she British? I don't get it. It doesn't maybe change. Met, anything maybe about they met the afar. Movie. Yeah. Maybe they met when she, he was on holiday. Well, he met Julie Depley, and then he came back with her and said, "Yeah, there we go." <laughs> Ethan Hawke has a thing for foreign women. <laughs> uh, one other thing I want to say is the ending because oh. it's bleak oh, yeah. oh. and it's so yeah. good. Oh, and yeah, it is. Yeah, it, it is. <laughs> Ethan Hawke is also given every opportunity to get an out yep. with the phone calls, yep. and he, it is all crafted so perfectly that he chooses not to because of the interactions he's had mm-hmm. and the choices he makes to 
separate himself and not separate himself at all and play into it. It's so it's so well crafted. I also like there's a little bit of like a a little bit of a trick because you assume the sun is the going to be the possessed sure. one. Yeah, you just happen to have the night terrors and stuff, mm-hmm. and they flip it a little with the little girl. I thought that was kind of cool. Like I just it just was a little misdirect and normally you can see him coming, but that was one I didn't see coming. Yeah. It's for a uh, killer kid ghost hunting movie. It's repri- surprisingly fresh. Yeah. yeah I, I think so too. I think it brings a lot of really fresh things to the table for the genre. Mm-hmm. Agreed. I thought of one more thing, not to keep going on. Sinister. Go for it. I, when this was going on, I m- made a note of the minute in the movie when this switches from being a possible true crime to being supernatural, mm-hmm. and it's not until like the fifty third minute. Like this movie could have been yep. a full true crime, and they could have gone that direction until the bagul still turns and looks at you, and you're right. like, "All right," yeah. oh, yeah. and you're like, yep. "All right, Hi there, how's it going? I'm let's here. Let's ramp it up. Let's go." For those I, who don't know why I'm doing this voice, I'm going to talk about bagul. Um, <laughs> on the last episode, I talked about how, for some reason, in my mind, bagul's voice was Tim Gunn's voice. <laughs> <laughs> And so he's like, okay, let's kill some kids now. That looks fantastic. I think we're going to kill that, and we're going to throw some chiffon there, some blood splatter here. It's going to be great. Let's make it work. And so through the whole movie, I'm sitting there with like Tim Gunn's voice playing over and over in my head. But you're 100% correct. It could have been like a Zodiac killer. Yeah, yeah. You know, it could have been just some random breaking. It could have been an episode of Criminal Minds. Right. But then you throw in fucking Bagul, and like all of a sudden you're like, holy shit, what the fuck is going on? Right. It adds that most... um dark aspect of it uh-huh. and i'm glad that it ended on such a sad yes. dour note because if it would have wrapped up and everything would have been nice evil would have been vanquished that would have been bunk and baloney and it would have just kind of threw the whole yep movie out the window totally agree so I'm- obviously we've got thoughts about these two films and to see which one is going to go into the next round we've got two bits of criteria here and the first one is so nice we do it twice we're going to ask which of these two films is closer to your heart Closer to the heart, yeah. It's Michael McDonald, right? Wow. Yes. When you said boat shoes before, I was like, oh, it's From Getty Lee to Barry White to Michael McDonald, my friend, you were taking it all the way around the world. So we're going to start with our guest, uh, Riley. Which of these two films is closer to your heart? All right. So Sinister, my first watch of Sinister was actually on our honeymoon back in November. So this is actually really rel- or relatively new for me. Things are going either super well or super bad. <laughs> you want to have kids, honey? No. no. Not now. No, not anymore. I bought a Super 8 camera. No! I signed us up for a painting class. <laughs> Congratulations, best witches, Bagool. <laughs> um, but I'm going to go for Closer to the Heart. I'm going Sinister. Um because I would say Sinister is one of the few horror movies that after I'm done watching, it sticks mm. with me. Uh, this is a scary movie. Um, you know, all the jump scares work. Uh, you know, all the, all the Super 8 footage. It just, it's so well put together. And even the, the very last jump scare with Bagul oh, just straight up in your face. I mean, even that gets me. Um, awesome character design from Bagul. Um, he looks like he could be a member of Slipknot. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um. Yeah, I think I think I'm going with I'm going with uh, 
Sinister. That I almost said Slipknot. Yeah, <laughs> going with Slipknot. So uh, let's go ahead. Let's take it over. Jeff. So for me, I think closer to my heart is definitely Sinister. Like okay. I said, I think this is I think this is the fifth time I've watched it. Very nice. um, and I saw it for the first time three years ago. Yeah. So I mean, it's been a multi, you know, multi, more than once a year rewatch for me. Um, I think of the Bloom Houses, to me, this is equal with the first Conjuring. I really like Insidious, yeah. but I would say, like, to me, like, I would, I consider this one of the, the best, in my opinion. Nope, totally works. Totally works. Ty. So I mentioned it a little bit ago while we were talking, and we talked about how The Strangers was a movie that ruined me on horror for close to a decade. And I did not go back to horror for a long time until a friend hosted a uh, movie night or a movie marathon in October. An old coworker about five years ago, right when I started getting into horror again, it was specifically because the triple feature we had was. VHS into What We Do in the Shadows, which I'd seen before, into Drag Me to Hell. And uh we do talk about on the Raimi episode, like that day is specifically why I am, why I started listening to your guys' podcast, why I started listening to A to Z Horror, why Mm -hmm. we have our own podcast, Mm -hmm. and why horror has become my favorite genre. So closer in my heart is VHS by far. Perfect. See, that's the good stuff. That's good stuff. Genius. Sinister. Sinister. I saw it in the theater, um, so that adds a lot of weight mm-hmm. to that already versus something I saw at home. And plus, like, I still love the Tim Gunn boys, you know. <laughs> so like, it kind of stuck with me as much as I th- as much as I think um, as much as I think that uh, VHS is cool. Part two is significantly better, mm-hmm. in my opinion. And so, for close to the heart, when a part two can surpass a part one. I got to go with the opposite. So I'm going to go with Sinister. Plus, like I said, Tim Gunn. It's Tim Gunn. It's Tim Gunn. He makes, he makes it work. <laughs> and this one's tough for me, too, because Sinister was a first time viewing for me for this. Uh, yeah, and I really okay. dug it. Really enjoyed it. VHS was a retread. And I revisiting them both was really good. But I don't know. There's There's something to be said about the comfort of a good cardigan of just something that looks like from an L.L. Bean catalog, and that just makes me feel warm, and that warmth is just, I'm going to mistake it for nostalgia, so I am also going to say Sinister is closer to my heart. Now, that being said, from the heart to the head, we're going to ask, if you were to remove one of these films from the year of 2012, which one would leave the year poorer? And again, I'm going to go ahead and start with you. Uh, Riley, start us off. I'm gonna to have to go with Sinister again. Um, I think it is. I think it's become such a staple um, of horror, a lot, not and a staple within 2012. Mm. Um, you know, we talk about it's one of the better Bloomhouse movies. Um, so yeah, I, th- I think without Sinister, 2012 is worse off. Totally works. Totally works. Senior Jeff. You know, this. I'm, I'm glad you have multiple criteria because I think this is the criteria I struggled with the most mm-hmm. because between the two, like, I, I just like Sinister so much more. But if you talk about which leaves the year poorer and which maybe had a bigger impact on everything else, I think you can make a pretty strong case for VHS. 
in terms of obviously it spawned a franchise like there's multiple mm-hmm. VHS I n- have learned recently <laughs> yeah. that there is a Sinister <laughs> 2 but the fact that I've never even heard of it but I had heard of you know VHS 2 or 94 uh, I mean I think it's a real push I want Sinister to win uh, so I might be pushing against my own criteria here. I'm still going to pick Sinister, but I think you can make a, an incredibly strong argument for VHS in this category. So you're picking Sinister. I am picking Sinister. Okay. Got a remark there for Sinister. Okay. I, so I do, I like Sinister more. I think Sinister is the better movie, but, uh, but is doing a heavy, a lot of heavy lifting here. You look at specifically the directors that we have in VHS and the directors that are brought in uh, through that are brought into the later (laughs) movies like a goddamn gazelle. (laughs) But the uh, the directors that are brought into the series into the later movies, such as like uh, Gijanto, Ryan Prowse. But I mean, Ty West, Adam Wingard, Radio Silence. The uh, there was one more who was oh Swanberg, um, I, I think the horror landscape we see today is so much more influenced by those guys fair. and the fair. type of horror present in VHS. So I'm going with that. And I got to agree with that one. Um, and I got to agree with what you said. Um, as much as I love Sinister more than VHS, without VHS we do miss a lot of spring birds for a lot of those mumblecore mm-hmm. cats that went on to get big. But without VHS, we wouldn't get VHS 2. Exactly. And so without VHS 2, we wouldn't have like the cool Timo one, and we wouldn't have a lot of other ones like that. There are some cool segments. I think Sinister is a stronger movie, mm-hmm. but based on the criteria alone, without VHS, I think the that series would not be... And that takes away a lot of great found footage movies. If you took away Sinister, you still have Insidious, and you still mm-hmm. have The Conjuring. Yeah. You take away a great spooky movie, mm-hmm. but at the same time, you would probably alleviate some of the confusion that has come along yes. with a Sinister, Conjuring, and right. um, and Insidious universe. Totally fair. Great point. So I'm going with uh, VHS on this one. All right. And then Ty, what was your vote? I was also VHS. VHS? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Well, this one, wa- this one was difficult for me it's because... Tough. I looked at it more of the people behind it, so the writing and director's teams. With Sinister, you've got C. Robert Cargyle, which, beyond being a novelist, a lieutenant in Megaforce, he's also a co-host of the Junk Food Cinema podcast, which is one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, he's the, he and Scott, Derrick, Scott Derrickson are responsible for the first Doctor Strange, mm-hmm. the upcoming Black Phone, which I'm really looking yeah. forward oh, to. Man. And a lot of that probably wouldn't exist without the success of Sinister. So right then and there... That's important. But like we said with VHS, it's a laundry list of some of our favorite genre directors Mm -hmm. doing these really cool, weird found footage segments, sometimes going out of their realm of comfort. Mm -hmm. So even then I'm like, oh, that's tough. But because of that, and I'm not going to say it's quality over quantity, but in this case, I'm going to go quality. I'm going to go quantity. I'm going to say VHS would have left us poor because we just wouldn't have had those cool things. But regardless, it doesn't matter because by a vote of one, two, three, four, five, six. Six to four. Yeah, six to four. Focusing its way into the round of the Hateful Eight is Sinister. And so you know what? Before tonight, I had VHS beating Sinister out on my personal bracket. Yeah. And I'm like, after talking with this, I'm like, well, fuck yeah, Sinister. That's that's the beauty yeah. of 
the well, conversations. I, I came into this thinking I was probably going to go sinister, and the more I thought about the all of the creators attached to VHS, it that pushed me over that That's direction. That's the part of the madness, yep. man. You come in thinking you're going to say one thing, everything pans out, and you're saying something totally opposite. <laughs> Not Welcome unusual. to Nightmare Joe yeah. Kid. So. <laughs> well, that leads us to our last matchup here in the round of the Scream 16 in 2012, and uh, I... I'm not going to lie. I know these films seem diametrically opposed initially. They have similar contents. They're similar content, and I also think there are similar people that would eventually watch both of them as mm -hmm. well. Because in a lot of ways, it's all about the other kid, the creepy kid. You know, and that. So we've got uh, the Soska sisters, American Mary, going up against uh, Tim Burton's Frankenweenie. Which shall we talk first, gentlemen? Let's save the kid-friendly one for the last one. Yeah, okay. let's, 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 let's start filthy. with American Mary. Let's get filthy. <clears throat> okay, so let's 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 let me ask you all this: Have any of you three gentlemen been pierced? Have you have you had the? Do you have Prince Albert in a can? <laughs> oh God! <laughs> I was just gonna ask if you had any. You know, if you've 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 That's had the only, only piercing oh, yeah, gong, I have. Gong 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 gong. Yeah. We got a full up close personal oh, Prince Oh yeah, Albert real close. Ding 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 ding. Dong dong dong. Uh, so were tattoo you tattoo all... needles has been the only one for me. Okay, that is fair. That is fair. And what what was your familiarity with American Mary? Uh, thought it was much more yeah. than it was because for years and until rewatching this, I confused this with May. Oh wow. Okay. Yes. Okay. So I for years I've been like, yeah, I've seen American Mary. I love American Mary. And even like followed followed the Saska sisters on social media and was really pumped for Rabid because I like May, May. so much. Well, in fairness, there's a lot of crossover between um, uh, Saskas and Lucky McGee. You know, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of like very much so. Mm -hmm. So you weren't all the way off. I wasn't completely <laughs> off. So what'd you think? This one is not quite for me. Mm -hmm. I think, and I. I like extreme horror and I like body horror, but I don't. It it just didn't quite land for me because it it felt like we had too much. The progression there was no progression and it was a sudden change in the narrative of who Mary was and all of this stuff that led her to these circumstances. I think the build. I think the first third. I really dig the first third of this movie, and then the. I also, I don't know, for me at least, I wish they had really committed. I know they're working on a budget. Like, this is not a big budget mm -hmm. movie. I, I really wish they had committed to more of the extreme side of things and really gotten some of that, you know, that French extreme influence, that hostile influence. Because, I mean, we're, we're coming hot off the heels of Eli Roth's big boom during all this. I think you could have really ran with a lot of those things even on a budget and i think that would have had me had me into it a little more that's fair so this was my first exposure to this movie at all i didn't i don't know the suska sisters i had never really heard of this film um i walked away with probably a very similar feel that that i did um i made the joke i think that uh if you've ever gone to church and had the pastor like at the front of the church like railing against the culture and like what movies are doing to people this is the movie they're thinking about um this movie has it all um and uh i, I think that you could you could 
definitely go one of two ways in this movie. You could either be like, I love everything that it does, and I love the extreme extremeness of it. I love the the way it falls into exploitation and things like that. I, I left with kind of a bad taste in my mouth about this movie mm-hmm. a little bit, and that's just me personally. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that it had some interesting ideas, and I actually think that after the narrative shift, I don't mind it. Um, the the choice of how they did the narrative shift is like absolutely not my favorite. It's one of the things I have a really hard time with in horror is, is sexual violence and mm-hmm. things like that. Mm-hmm. And so I know that's me personally. Um, I know it doesn't float my boat, but I, I think it's fine if it if it works for other people. I just I think that I don't know. I understand it as a motivation, but if there had been something else and then it was just Mary fucking people up, mm-hmm. I think I would have maybe liked it a little bit better. I, d- I don't mm-hmm. mind the second half of the movie. Um, I do also think the budget shows through, and for some reason, all the performances for me. I think are the thing that that suffered the most like it for me personally it just seemed like everybody was like not phoned it in but it didn't seem like the performances were were very high quality in my opinion i we we would be doing a disservice if we did not mention that this movie does have a very big cult following oh yeah and there there are a ton of very patch i i know (laughs) i'm sure one of our friends (laughs) but And I, yeah, I think we're not making any friends with this. I don't. Let's take on this. I don't think it is a bad thing to. I. It's just not a movie for me, and that's something yeah. we talk about on our podcast. Yes. That so many movies, yeah. it is so fine. If yeah. the, I mean, Hereditary is one of my favorite movies. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. and we yeah. know yeah. how we that goes talk on this about podcast. About that, because I was about to cuss you out <laughs> yeah. right now. But so. but it was. I think it is both has a very a massive cult following and i think those parts that don't work for us i know also it has been seen in and i am you know i am a guy who has not experienced some of the horrible things that are shown mm-hmm. in things like this but it it is also i've seen survivors of sexual assault talk about this being a very cathartic movie so and i can't discredit that sure. at all absolutely yeah. riley your thoughts um, I'd say my thoughts are very similar to Jeff's. Um, I can't say I'm a huge fan anytime a movie uses sexual violence as its motivator. Mm-hmm. Um, I think once we got past that, um, right. you know, you get some very good, you know, I think once it starts to lean more into the gore side of things, um, it's much better. Um, I think, yeah, I think I would just would have enjoyed it more had the motivation for Mary come from a different source. I don't know what that is, um, there, but uh, go ahead. I was going to say, there are certain filmmakers that will say if you include any kind of sexual assault or rape, there better be a very good reason for it to be in there rather than to just be something shocking or to, you know, a lot of filmmakers will use just use it as a crutch. Sure. And yeah. I'm I'm of the opinion also, we actually recorded something before you guys came in talking American Mary again, and I totally get when it's not someone's vibe, because it's, mm-hmm. it's, 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 I mean, it's a film that's all about this other culture, you know, mm-hmm. that I'm not familiar with. I'm not one of those people. Like, I used to get pierced back in the day, but nowadays I'm just like, it is just so just another thing to me. So it's, if you're not in that culture, that society, I can see that also being like... Yeah. 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 A little weird. 
Now, I, I will say that this has one of my favorite <laughs> outcomes for the person committing the sexual violence. Oh, true. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. I wish we had spent more time with what she is doing yeah. to him. That's yeah. that's I think the biggest misfire in this movie for me is that we don't have so much like that comeuppance would have been so satisfying and could have led to just some phenomenal practical scenes. Sure. Right. See, okay, so here's here's my issue with this conversation right now. <laughs> and I mean, I don't mean that to sound bad. No, I mean, no, no, no. Okay, so one, I do agree that there should have been more comeuppance, but I don't agree with you saying that there should have been a lot more gore. I think that level of subtlety where it was at, I think it was right for where it needed to be. I think if you went into the torture porn aspect of it, if it turned into an Eli Roth movie, mm -hmm. I think it would have lost a lot of the message. And I understand what you're saying, where you wish that thing didn't become the motivator, but I mean, like... It's a genre. I think it's a right. I mean, I understand mm -hmm. where yes. I under, I hundred percent understand and agree with what you're saying. But I think like not saying it served the story, but at the same time, at least it wasn't Gaspar Noe's American Mary. Mm -hmm. Right. You know what I'm saying? I agree with what that. I, I think also too, like it it's I so want to be clear about like my personal taste does not mean the movie is good or bad. Right. Yeah. Right. Because I didn't like something that happened in right. it. Right. That's a that's you know what I mean? That's absolutely not the case. Um, and I do think, you know, in, in a broader scope of things too, I think that they're like what you were saying about for those who've experienced it to have a different view on it mm -hmm. is such a valid thing. Yeah. Right. And I also think that, you know, there is something unique or interesting, or it is a, it is a specific perspective when it's female directors yes. directing yes. it, then yes. it is the males. Not that yeah. not that you can't be a male director and do a scene with it, but there is something different about the perspective in it. So I think there is, it is valid to include. It just may not be my specific mm -hmm. taste. Right, but it's also unique and refreshing to see a rape revenge uh, movie from a female point of view. Agreed. Correct. I yeah. I was going to yeah. mention uh, Revenge, the mm -hmm. French oh, movie, yes. and. That is a movie that lands so much better for me just as a viewer. But I, you know, I'm not going to say that American Mary is a bad movie, but it's it's the it's the stylistic sensibilities that it mm -hmm. comes down to. It's not even, you know, content or message or things like that. It's just, you know, it, it film is a visual medium. Right, and, right. It, and if it hits you, it hits you. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, like in. Like we said on the show, this movie ain't gonna be for everybody. Yeah, but, you know, <laughs> this ain't, this ain't hey, a family friendly movie. Bonus points. They named the doctor Doctor Alan Grant. Yes, yes, incredible. <laughs> yes, and also one of the we we talked about it. Just one of the most bizarre and funny pieces of dialogue. Titties and shrimp. Titties and shrimp. <laughs> Dude, the, there's always room, I think, for that. Yeah, who doesn't like titties and shrimp? It's it's the shrug that he delivers. Yeah. He's just titties like, and shrimp. titties and shrimp? Cool. Yeah, no, I think uh, the bodyguard Lance was probably my, or Vince was probably my favorite yeah. character in the entire Absolutely. movie. Absolutely, yeah. No, and uh, you guys hit it very much so. This is The beauty of this tournament is we explore a lot of different films, mm -hmm. a lot of different perspectives, and... As you mentioned, Jeff, I was it, written and directed by women. It does offer a different perspective. Yes. I think that really goes a long way. And um, 
Uh, other thoughts then on American Mary before we head into Frank and Weenie? Catherine Isabel. Oh, yes, 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 yes. She is gorgeous. She did oh, such a good job. What would you guys think of Beatrice? Yeah, what would you think of Beatrice in Real Doll I'm Ruby? I'm curious. I, so Ooh. it was Gave me so, the heebie-jeebies. <laughs> yeah, it was so off-putting at first, but then, I mean, that's the point. Mm-hmm. It, it, the whole thing with Beatrice is very... It, it's so, like, skin-crawly. The... the <laughs> The voice is what puts it over for right. me. It's so, so hard. And th- But I really like, I should say, yeah, I do like uh, the way the narrative is structured that the choices made within the first 10 minutes of the movie are what eventually lead to the the death at the end. Um, I mean, spoilers oh, yeah. for anybody right. listening, but, but to, you know. Someone dies. Yeah. <laughs> to, to Mary's death at the end of the movie, I for that all to be set in motion and not to be able to be stopped mm-hmm. uh, it is I think that's a really, really great element of this movie. I do think that they could have expanded this movie a little bit more. There was I agree with like some of the things the the quick turns, you know, that I would like to see a little bit more, maybe not even a montage. Montage, not even a montage of Mary's journey, but like she just did that one thing and then in the next scene she's a fucking body modification yeah. superstar. I would have liked to see a little bit more of her journey. I think that was she my biggest She should fuck sticky. up a couple of them, I think. Right. Like, cut <laughs> three slits in a tunnel right or something, yeah. you know? Yeah. <laughs> Oops, I've done it again! You know, just something goofy. Butterfingers. Let Oof. me put this on ice for you. I'm sure they can reattach it. It's my first day. <laughs> I sewed my watch to your penis! You know, and just like... <laughs> <laughs> oh, the old watch pink. Right? <laughs> the scene of just, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. Oh, God. not again, not again. There's Mary, like Lance Hatter. Vince, help, help, help. You See, know? that's on the secret modification menu. That's <laughs> off item. That's off menu. You got to know people to know that one. That's the Prince Rolex. <laughs> so, from something decidedly adult to something decidedly more kid friendly, let's look at uh, Tim Burton's Frankenweenie. Now, again, I'm going to ask, was this anyone's first time watching this? This is my first Mine time. Mine for sure. First too. watch. Yeah. Oh, all three? All three. Yeah. So, yeah. okay, Riley, start us off. What'd you think? I thought this movie was absolutely delightful. <laughs> um, obviously, it tugs at the heartstrings mm. big time. Um, but I just, I love the world that this movie is set in. Um, I love the voice cast of this mm-hmm. movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I also love that it's shot in black and white. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Very effective. I, I, I honestly, there's not much bad I can say about Frank and Weenie. It's, it's such a love letter to, you know, the Frankenstein story, the Frankenstein movie, but also just, you know, be like, not necessarily B horror, but the old school horror, old school horror, mm-hmm. the yeah. black and white stuff, the the hammer horror, the yeah. universal monsters. It's alive. Specifically, like Hammer and Canon have a lot of influence on this movie. Even Toho, yeah. Even the old yeah, the, the Toho. kaiju at <laughs> the yeah. end. Mm-hmm. Oh man, and oh yeah. Oh, yeah. No, ahead. I I was just gonna say, you know, I I continue to be impressed by what people can do with animation. <laughs> yeah. Um, and there were shots in this that I was like. How the fuck did they do that? And, and and something that I think is so interesting about animation is like, you know, if you if you shoot something with a real camera, right, like you can see where the shadows are going to be and you can mm-hmm. adjust and you can be, oh, that's a cool shot. Or you could, but like everything in animation is like, you're, it's you're doing it from scratch, yep. mm-hmm. right? And so the idea- One frame at a time. Right. Mm-hmm. And so the, the, the fact that they have to construct everything in that and make it look exactly like 
how it would if it was shot on film. But the shadow work in this, and especially because it was black and white, I mm. felt like it was so much more striking. Mm-hmm. And there are different versions of black and white, and this was so... Uh, there, it was so stark, right, in the differences. And I keep saying the shadow work, but, like, just just small little details on each one of these shots were just incredible from a just a look perspective. Well, now, was not this... to mention story and score and everything yeah. like that. Mm-hmm. Was this stop motion? Yeah. Okay, that's I what I thought. So. Yep. Yeah. Oh, so, so it, it's it actually... was shot with models. Okay, so yeah. I'm wrong. I was thinking mm-hmm. it was all animation. Okay. But well, I mean, animation. Yeah, but, but there, there is, is a, actual light. There is an element, the right. Yeah, light boxing and stuff. And I, you can tell Burton had so much fun with c- constructing these shots with models because oh. they're, it, they're so intricate. And I, I would say, you know, more so than Nightmare Before Christmas. Uh, more so than Corpse Bride, I think this is has some of the most intricate model work, uh, and and so many little details too mm. that really come through in this movie. It's all real smooth too. Mm-hmm. Like the other thing that I think, obviously, um, did do you know? Did this come first or parent? Wait, Paranormans in this they came same, same thing, year. same year, same year, same year yeah. right? Okay. So um, I was thinking of those two, and then I was thinking of the Box Trolls. That was another like oh, yeah. similar era. Stuff. And those are the. I think those three are all so impressive to me in how far the medium has come. Mm. Like, I mean, just I have no idea how they do that. I mean, I've seen how they do it. I still don't understand it. Yeah, yeah. there's a lot of care in yes. this film. I mean, from the animation, the stop motion to just the relationship between everyone and his involved. dog and everybody oh. in the camp. Oh, I mean, this man. is absolutely Tim Burton's love letter to one a movie he made. Back when he was a Disney animator, mm-hmm. to to all of his influences, because like we all know that Tim Burton loves him some old school horror, yeah. and mm-hmm. so this, I mean, down to the one character that talked like Boris Karloff, and, <laughs> yeah. and the other character that talked like Peter Laurie, and, mm-hmm. and all those other like one references that uh, to the old movies, like the old sci-fi B movies that he's making with the dog, you yeah. know. But goddamn, if that dog's death of both oh. deaths. Oh, okay, now let me both. ask you this. Oh, my God. Motherfucker. The over-under on the amount of the gentleman from Who the Hell Is This For crying during Frank and Weenie. Absolutely did. Okay. Three for three. Yeah. Three for three. There we go. Cause, Cause, so my dog, while I was watching this, so we have two dogs, um, and we are blessed to have not lost any either of the dogs because they are both our first dogs yeah. that we, my wife and I have got together. But the first dog we got... She was down on the couch and just like curled up sleeping next to me while I had this movie on. And like nothing had even happened yet, but there was a point where I looked over at my dog and just started sobbing. Like, <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, I'm not laughing. I'm laughing no, with. you should because I'm laughing with because yeah. nothing oh. had even happened yet, but I knew what was coming and I his relationship with his dog and with Sparky. And I'm sitting there just looking at my dog sobbing. <laughs> We we recently had to take one of our dogs to the to the animal hospital like oh. in the middle of the night like twice in the last couple of months and he's he's fine he's doing good, good. but um like like Ty had said this is my first like real pet um and and I've never had a pet get sick a pet pass away mm-hmm. you know I mean and. It's tough. Yeah. Oh, man. This, I know. Yeah. This is where my, my experience yeah. is. I'm yeah. going, oh, you guys. I know. I'm, oh, no. I'm like, right now, I'm like, oh, God. I know, yeah. and I, I hate to... 
Well, I hate to pitch to you, but I would love to hear you talk about what your experience with this movie was. Well, and I'll, let's let's hear Riley real quick. Yeah, oh, I'm sorry. Then then we'll then we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll, the well, Nightmare Junkhead boys will cry. Yeah, well, just to continue on, uh, <laughs> train. you know, we yeah. sat we sat and watched this with our three dogs. Um, but what really kind of hit my wife on this? Well, hit's a bad word to use in this. Um, <laughs> no she had a cat. She had a cat die um, from a car accident, oh. or you know, a, a oh. car hit it in the last year. So, uh, mm. yeah, tears were flowing in this one. <laughs> um, so yeah, just you know, love your tell your animals you love them. Yeah, oh, yeah. hug all of them. Well, and oh, the only reason pet my kitties so much when I was watching Frank. Yeah. Well, the, the only reason I started laughing, Ty, because I did the same thing. I watched it my first time this time, the first time watch, and within the first five minutes, I started crying because yeah. I knew what was yeah. coming. And you know, last year around this time, I I said goodbye to Lola, and mm-hmm. oh my God, it was just rough. And then you know. A few years ago, you know, Genius Owen, yeah. said goodbye to Owen. I mean, I saw this movie in the theater in 3D when it first came out, right? And when the dog died at when I was in the theater, I was like, yeah, that's kind of sad, you know? But it didn't, like, hit me. This watch, <laughs> this watch at home with my cat on my lap, right? And I'm thinking, you know what? I would probably try and do the same thing. I know yeah. I wouldn't bury in a pet cemetery, but if I can revive it via lightning, yeah. I'm going to try, you know? Because, like, I think we've all had that wish we can bring back a loved pet. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so that's, I think, hit every pet lover's heart with this one. And then the shenanigans that ensued with said thing. And if that pet lover is a horror fan, I think this movie is right up their fucking alley. Yeah. You know? So, and I think. And that's the bad thing I think a lot of horror fans do. Um, they'll dismiss animation or PG or PG thirteen mm-hmm. horror because there's not guts, there's not gore, there's not violence and scares. But this movie, it's got um, a great horror story. It's got a great character story. It's got some amazing jump scares. And there's some great yeah. scares. The fucking sea monkeys <laughs> are sea rad. Monkeys. The sea yeah, monkeys are sea rad. Monkeys. Oh my god. And uh, Colossus, the mummy hamster. <laughs> I also that reveal. Yes, hilarious, great. hilarious, great bit. I well, also really love we. You have the elements of the. Um, I mean, so much of um, so much of Burton's other work is also very oh, yeah. present in oh, this. Yeah. Uh, with you know, it, there's Edward Scissorhands vibes with the whole town. Uh, the the mom the gr- is 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 the mom yeah. from Beetlejuice. Yeah, yeah. And, and then Lydia. Lydia. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Lydia Dietz yeah. is the neighbor essentially, and it it's so great. But the um, I really love it. It's a very type of Tim Burton weird and creepy of the the friend with the cat. Who's cats? The, the children of the dam. My pet had a bad omen for you, and I love the fact that like something that will happen. Creepy cat basically turned into Dracula, and the last five minutes was Dracula versus Frankenstein. Yeah. I also I love the whole time she's so desperate for it to have a message for, for her. her. Why won't you make a poopy for me? Yeah. I also like I'm I am very notably a very big Twin Peaks fan. And so it, we have our own little, like, fourth grade log lady in this movie. Oh, my. There it is. Thank you. Right? Yes. Holy shit. That's totally it. Yeah. I, hmm. yeah it, the, the, the amount of references in this movie it, is insane. Yeah. yeah. I mean, just. Absolutely. Yeah. 
Burton gets Burton has a reputation and people like it, people don't like it, but Burton is very much a guy who knows his brand entirely, mm. but no one could ever say Burton does not deeply love the genre. Oh no, absolutely. Yeah. He is silly with it. I mean, he's just all up in it. This movie is case fucking one, exhibit right. A. And all you have to do is look at the people that he got to voice, yeah. especially like Christopher Lee, and then you got Martin Landau, which I'm shocked his eyebrows didn't make a big somehow appearance. make yeah. them animated. But the one thing that still is a stick is a, a standout for me is the voice of Sparky, the great golden god himself, Frank Welker, who is really? the voice actor that has done every like an inanimate thing that makes a noise, he'll do it. Mm-hmm. Like every <laughs> animal that's out there, he'll make noises for it. It's crazy bizarre. He has been all over and I realized I was like, those are some familiar little yeah. and I was like, Frank Welker, you yeah. little devil. You rascal. <laughs> it's yeah, I'm just I I even talking about it now, hearing you guys getting so excited for it that first time, it makes me I'm gonna I might go home and watch it again. It's a great movie. It really is. And you know what? Here's the thing that gets me. Disney practically disowns it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? They there's there's no rides. There's no characters. There's no like, you know, Frank and Weenie mascot running around. Burton Land. That could be a whole thing. Yeah, you could you could drop in a whole Burton subpark. I think one of the one of the most interesting things about this is is um you know, we were talking before about how the first time that we had ever seen anything alien or predator was AVP, and mm-hmm. we reverse engineered and watched the films after that. I feel like this could be a really good intro mm-hmm. to horror yeah. for, for for an adult or a kid, yep. and mm-hmm. then you could be like, "Listen, like this is where they got that," and and you can get into Frankenstein, you can get into Universal Monsters, mm-hmm. and we can get you into other stuff. But like that would be such a good ground building. Yes, how a horror story is told. It can be scary, but mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be too scary. And like I think it's it's something that would be really fun for like a family that's like slightly into spooky stuff. Mm-hmm. That would be such a fun thing to do. Absolutely, and a great way to introduce, like you said, a right. law family to spooky stuff. Right. right. Now we we specifically talked about these as gateway horror bits, and yeah. we, we just never had a lot of them in the tournament. And it's a shame because how many films do you think that we've ignored then because of that? Well, I think maybe not that many. No, possibly. I think because like. Back in the day, back when we were cutting our teeth in horror, it was still like horror was R-rated. Mm-hmm. You know, I think mm-hmm. now that horror fans from growing up when we did, they're making the movies for their yep. kids. And I think that's why we're getting more of an influx. We're getting movies like Nightmare Before Christmas, like Frankie and Weenie, like Coraline, like Parrot Norman. And so I think that's why there hasn't been that many in the tournaments as of yet, because it's now barely a recent thing. That's why just now in 2012, we have the two kid ones going yep. up against each other. Yep, absolutely. So uh, other I love thoughts? That. I love that fact that like now we're getting oh. more horror for kids. For kids. Like us, well, our generation is making one, stuff. One I remember growing up with, I just had to go look it up, was are either of you guys familiar with the Halloween tree? Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. It was raised on fucking the Halloween um, tree. yeah. Eisenhoffs. Yeah. With Leonard Nimoy. Mm-hmm. And yeah, Halloween tree is dope because they all have to save the soul of their friend yes. before midnight. And it's such it's such a perfect introduction because I was I was way too scared for all the horror stuff, but it, things like the Halloween tree are what led to me looking up all these stories on Wikipedia and reading all of these plot synopses and finding the weird things. I thought you were gonna say Halloween Town. Well, Halloween Town Halloween as well. Halloween is cool. 
How many Halloween Town movies are there? There's like five, isn't there? Like there's uh, Halloween three, three, three. Let's see. Yeah, but isn't there like a Return to Halloween Town? There is. is. There's Halloween Town. Well, no. Okay, so it's What's Halloween Town. Halloween Town Two: Calabar's Revenge. Right. Halloween Town Three: Return to Halloween Town, and then Halloween Town High. Wow. My my wife oh, okay. is a big Halloween Town fan. Are they gonna we have a Halloween Town Christmas? Halloween Town, yeah. That's a good question. From the archives. I know the uh, the actress that played Marnie. She's fully on board to uh, to bring it bring a reboot back. You heard it here first. Halloween Town reboot sponsored by sponsored by who the hell is this for? <laughs> and, and Nightmare Junkie. <laughs> All for that, all for that. Uh, other thoughts on Frank and Weenie before we put these two head to head? The only thing I wanted to chime in with was uh, I loved the Vincent Price cameo and yes. that they put in the actual footage onto the TV. Yeah. Yes. Um, just a nice little touch. I don't really have much more to add to that. Yeah. Just enjoyed it. Tim Burton's a fanboy. He yeah. loves old school <laughs> horror. I mean, like. You could put the Universal logo on this at the beginning, and it wouldn't seem out of place. Hundred yeah. percent. You know, you could mm-hmm. put you could put the Hammer logo on this, yeah. and it wouldn't seem out of place. Yep. I mean, there's just something magical about this movie for horror fans, and I think it's a damn shame that more horror fans are just now seeing it. I mean, you guys, yeah, yeah. just us, watched yeah. it yeah. the first time, old and young, my friend. Right. So, like, I I hope this gets a lot of you listeners out there. To give Frank and Weenie mm-hmm. a chance. Don't to... write things like this off. Right. Not For, at all. No, no. Not at Just all. because it might be PG or because this one's a PG movie. So like because it's PG or G or yeah. PG thirteen does not make it any less of a great horror film. Yep. And I think that's a it's such a great principle for enjoying things in general. Movies, music, TV, like enjoy what you enjoy. And if you if you're if you're putting limits on yourself on what you think you can enjoy because it's has a rating, has a uh, if it's a cartoon, it's mm-hmm. a medium. Yeah, you do yourself a disservice. Right? Yeah, you do yourself a disservice, and it's like all that shit's made up anyways. Yeah. Right? None of it matters. Like it, you're there. It's for MPAA people you might never scam. Yeah, like you. Mm-hmm. It's for people you might not ever talk to again. Like mm-hmm. who fucking cares? Just like what you like. Talk about it, you know. Get into podcasts that that talk about it as well. Yeah, that's what we're all about. That's right. Frankie Lindy's dope. It yes. is. It is. So we like both of these films, but only one can advance into the next round. So we're going to ask which of these two films, American Mary or Frankenweenie, is closer to your heart. Riley, start us off. Um. So it's Frankenweenie. <laughs> um. Closer to the heart, you know, as a you know a, an animal lover. Obviously, we all share that. Um, and we talked about that. Um, and then I'm also throwing in, like I mentioned earlier, you know, my dad was a real introduction for me into horror. Um, and he, like I said, he watches Fenghuli every Saturday. So the universal monsters were, are big in our household. Um, so tying all those into this movie, um, you know, and Godzilla and all that good stuff. <laughs> um, it's, it's Frank and Weenie. By a mile. Oh man, by a mile. By I like mile. it. I love it. I nice. love it. Jeff. Yeah, I'd have to say the same thing. I think um, not just because it's accessible, but I, I think just in how it's crafted, um, I, I just enjoy Frank and Weenie more. Um, and nothing against American Mary. Like I said, I think it's more of a taste thing than a quality thing. But I would say for me, it's also Frank and Weenie by a mile. And yeah, I'm the same. I talked about sobbing, looking at my dog before anything had even happened in the movie. This, 
this gets directly to my core. Like this is f- much closer to my heart. Totally works. Totally works. Genius McGee. I saw Frankie Weenie in the theater. I love American Mary, but you know what? Frank and Weenie saw in the theater and enjoyed it, but I didn't really, it didn't really hit me until the second one mm-hmm. of how powerful it truly was. Mm-hmm. And so if a movie can elicit strong emotions <laughs> like that from me that are not like lustful or happy, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so like... <laughs> Because it's easy to draw strong, lustful, and happy emotions from me in regular movies. But it's not so easy to draw some other emotions. So for that, I got to go. Because it truly was closer to my heart, I got to go Frank and Weenie. That's... This one's not necessarily tough, but I do want to give a little shout out to American Mary. That was like, I think it was within our first 10 episodes, mm-hmm. Genius, that we actually covered that film. And that's, you know, 300 episodes since. That's, that's yeah, some that's foundational stuff. That's got a Absolutely. special place in the heart, too. But... I just can't help but think of my old dog Alvin and thinking about what I would have done in my case. With I think I mentioned it last time, and this is what kind of pushed it forward. I'm always going to be voting my heart with with the animals and everything. So I'm also voting Frank and Winnie. Yeah, but I was like, I miss Owen when I was oh, watching. Frank it's horrid. Yeah. It's horrid. I'm, uh, I miss Alvin, uh, friggin' Dominic, and Brandy, and I. I grew up with with dogs and cats, so it's always going to be close to my heart. But if you were to remove one of these films from the year of 2012, only one of them is going to leave that year a little bit poorer. So let me ask, uh, Riley, if we were to take away one, which one's going to leave 2012 just a little bit more sad? Oh, man. Um, <laughs> yeah, this, well, this is tough because it's like, you know, both both of these being a first watch it's hard to say which one had more of an impact on 2012. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, you know, I really didn't know if you asked me back in 2012 or, you know, to 2015, I, I wouldn't know what movie you were talking about. Um, with that said, I think I am going to go with Frankenweenie. Um, just like we talked about a little earlier. I think it's the better, I think the fact that it's such a great, gateway into horror for all ages um and the fact that it can have such an impact you know on such a huge demographic um that leaves a bigger impact uh compared to american mary excellent work mm-hmm. i would say my answer has got to be very similar to riley since they're both first time watches for me I don't, aside from what you guys have talked about in, in your episodes about American Mary, I don't have any context for what this has done, you know, Suska Sisters, things like that. So I'd say it has to come back down to what would have a bigger impact on me going forward, mm-hmm. potentially. And I would say Frank and Winnie has to take that for me. Mm-hmm. For me, I think I will go with American Mary here because while Frank and Weenie was so affecting for every single one of us in this room, That's probably going to be a pretty common theme for a lot of people. I think, you know, a lot of people can really relate to, you know, losing a pet, what you would do to get a pet back. But, you know, the the rape revenge genre, I think the catharsis that provides for people who have experienced that and use movies like Mm. this to process it, I think it's a much narrower thing or a much narrower appeal than something like losing a pet. And so I think keeping as many of those movies that do help people, you know, that they fall back on this as catharsis. Like, I think that's so important. 
Yeah. Excellent work. I agree. I agree. Yeah, I agree. That's, a, that's a really good point, good point man. That's a fantastic <laughs> point. Um, I was coming in here saying, American <laughs> Mary, that's my vote. However, I got to go Frank and Weenie. Um, I understand. The, I, I completely agree with what you're saying. You know, I mean, we should not discount mm-hmm. that that it helps out people. And, but if you take away American Mary, you do take away the Soska sisters, and you take away a lot of their other filmography. And if you take away Frank and Weenie, you still have a whole bunch of Tim Burton, right? You still got a whole bunch of people losing pet animals or pet movies. Right. You lose a whole bunch of other horror movies and homages. But there's something magical about. Frankenweenie. Yeah. There's something about the sad, the funny, the cool homages, the fact that if you take that away, you're probably taking away a perfect gateway for somebody. You're probably yeah. taking away mm-hmm. a bonding moment between a parent and a child or a grandparent and a small child. You're taking all that away. You know, grandpa loved those universal horror movies, yeah. right? Little kids now getting into it because of Frankenweenie. Mm-hmm. So I think if we take away Frank and Weenie, we're taking away something truly, truly special. Yeah, we'll still have Nightmare Before Christmas, but that doesn't pack the same emotional punch as this movie does. I, I think Frank and Weenie is a much better gateway to the horror genre itself than Nightmare, for sure. And I think what's so good about it, too, sorry to, to, to jump in. Um, sometimes you see a movie with a bunch of references and it feels cheap. Mm-hmm. And every single one of these references felt earned. Yes. And it mm-hmm. felt like it fit. It looked natural. Mm-hmm. It was natural. And and I think that that's what makes it such a good gateway is that it's just part of the story. But you're like, oh, I know a little bit about that. I can enjoy that even more. But on the surface, it also works. Yeah, totally. I'm going to kind of piggyback with what you said, Genius, because my whole thing is if you take the films away, what are we left with? And in Tim Burton's case, we we still got a huge filmography that is very it's varied and gateway esque mm-hmm. in, in a lot of ways. If you take away American Mary, you take and some might argue it's for the better, you know, with their feelings with the Soskas, but you know that's another good fresh perspective in the world of horror. And that was really one of their big, not their first one because that was Dead, Dead Hooker in the trunk. trunk, but that was kind of their first feature that had a little bit of a budget, was shot professionally, and opened up a lot more doors. And again, in terms of women in horror, we need those perspectives. Yeah, yeah And the Soskas are definitely an inspiration for that. And we've got a lot of weirdos out there like Tim Burton with the big hair and what have you, but we need more Soskas. So I'm also going to say American Mary would leave 2012 poor, but it makes no difference because patchworking and piecemealing its way into the next round Colossus is... Colossus has proven superior. <laughs> Frankenweenie. <laughs> which means in the round of the Hateful Eight... We have Sinister going up against Frankenweenie. <laughs> so, kind of kid-oriented? Kids Incorporated? Yeah, Kids Incorporated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, kids yeah. Incorporated. Now, now you're... Now K-I-L-L-S. There we go, there we go. So, we couldn't have gotten here without the help of our good friends here from the Who the Hell Is This For podcast. So, again, Ty, Jeff, Riley, thank you sincerely mm-hmm. for yeah, taking the time out. This is always a blast. In fact, this might be our longest Scream 16 I know. <laughs> episode. I where we clocked in. I was like, oh, no. That's okay. That's the madness is all about. So we are going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to be joined by Ashley and Ken Sledge from Sledgehammer Horror to see which film, Sinister or Frankenweenie, will be representing the year of 2012 in the round of The Frightful Four. We'll be right back.
All right, gang, we are back. And as we go from the round of the Scream 16 into the round of the Hateful Eight, let's again thank Ty, Jeff, and Riley from the Who the Hell Is This For podcast. It's Tamara home. <laughs> and let us say goodbye, farewell, and adieu to both VHS and American Mary. Mm-hmm. Any other day. They might have gone. But quite possibly. Hence the madness. Hence the madness. And genius, one of the many things I love mm-hmm. about horror mm-hmm. is when people pair up, they partner up, or in some cases, we got coupling. Horror hookups? Yes. Because if you go to some of uh, my favorite horror films, they feature some of my favorite horror couples. Mm-hmm. I'm talking like uh, Jerry and Billy from Fright Night. Right. I'm talking Candyman and... Helen. From Candyman. And I mention that because our next guests are quickly climbing up that ladder of my favorite horror couples. Now, you can find them out on YouTube talking to a variety of guests, going into a variety of topics. I'm talking anything from someone's first horror film to maybe... Their favorite uh, kills in the Friday the 13th franchise? Possibly. Please welcome back to Nightmare Junkhead from Sledgehammer Horror, Ashley and Ken Sledge. Hey, how you doing, guys? Thank you so much for having us back. Oh, fuck yeah. Welcome back, man. We love talking to you guys. And it sh- oh, We love talking to you, too. It should be noted for everyone out there, normally, I imagine this conversation could probably go many hours just so people know... <laughs> We are getting ready to roundhouse, roundhouse kick evil in the face tonight. We're recording before our, si- our Friday night fright of silent rage. Silent rage? I can't fucking wait. Michael Myers versus Chuck Norris. So number oh, one, we're yeah. sad you all aren't here with us, but where are you all uh, uh, zooming in from right now? Uh, normally we're from Detroit, but now we are down in Cincinnati, Ohio at Horror Hound. We are. I was so stoked to hear you guys were recording down there because that just adds something special. Yeah. You know, if you're ever wondering whatever had to happen to them, they're living in the air in Cincinnati. Cincinnati WKRP. As God is my witness, I thought they could fly. So before we get to the proper madness, uh, please tell our listeners where can they find you out on social media. Please plug and promote away. Um, you can find us on YouTube at youtube.com slash sledgehammer horror, Instagram and Facebook at sledgehammer horror, and then Twitter at sledgehammer horror, H O R. And you guys have a, a, a really fun YouTube channel with a lot of content, a lot of good content. Mm-hmm. I mean, you guys drop a lot. We thought we were like dropping a lot here on March Madness, but that's like an every week thing for you guys. Yeah. We um we try to make it at least three interviews or specials a week and one live episode a week is what we really aim for um, just to try to keep the content fresh. And we really, both of us grew up loving horror movies. Mm-hmm. Um, for those of you that don't know Sledgehammer Horror, Ashley and I have been married 17 years um, and just horror is our thing. That's the one thing we can that's actually agree on. That's what we connect on. Yeah, that's the one thing <laughs> we connect on. We're completely polar opposites except for that. We so. really are. <laughs> and you know what? Congratulations are in order for you. We're going to be seeing you on the big screen here shortly. Yes. The best Easter egg out there, right? Yes. Um, if you uh, the, the film is called Shadow Marsh, and the producers were big Sledgehammer horror fans, and they put us a picture of me in the background 
Um, cause this was at a time when Ashley was still kind of in the background, um, before I really forced her to come on screen with me, Ashley <laughs> does more of the, uh, behind the scenes stuff. Yeah. I'm more of the introvert and he like pulled me out yeah. for sure of my show. She, she's the writer. Um, it's funny cause I don't know if you guys seen on Instagram today, we were driving to horror hound and in the passenger seat, there's Ashley writing all her notes for tonight, you know, like <laughs> legit right here, you know, she's just writing the whole time that we're in the vehicle. So that's what she does. She writes and every episode you watch of versus didn't see that coming on our channel. Ashley's written every single part of that. I just read what she says and I do the editing on it. Like she's definitely the brains and I'm the pretty face. <laughs> it's all about the collaboration. And I love that horror is one of those things that brings people together. Mm -hmm. And you, and also you've cultivated a really nice little collection of people over there. And I just, I love that people can go to that. And you've also, the the variety of guests you've brought in. Are spectacular. I love it. And again, yeah. just everything you guys have put together, just congratulations on it. Mm -hmm. I love that we've been kind of been able to see it from the get-go and it just continues yeah. to grow. So congratulations yeah, on all of that. Thank you. I think the big thing about that is, um, and people don't know this, I don't know or not, you guys were the very first podcast that I was a guest on. So anytime I get to work with you guys, whether it's in my first horror movie, one of our lives, one of your podcast episodes, mm -hmm. it's one of those things where I'm going to say yes, 10 out of 10 times. We're down in Cincinnati, a horror hound. And it was like, let's do this. Yes. Yeah. As like, if I get to hang out with you guys for an hour, that's the best hour of my day besides what I'm spending with Ash. So if I can get with you guys for any amount of time, we are in any time every day. Yeah, when he had mentioned it to me, I was like, "Oh yeah, I love those guys." Yeah. So. <laughs> oh, you're 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 making us blush, man. <laughs> but it's really an honor for us to have mm -hmm. you guys on there. We were really happy that you guys said you would do this. So, and what's really yeah. cool is for the majority of the the guests we've had on for this year's Into the Mouth of March Madness, primarily they're all local, but you all are definitely Midwest like mm -hmm. us. And yes. I'll be honest, I think that's the reason why we all vibe as well because. I'm not saying us Midwesterners are more laid back and just. But we're, it's a vibe. There is a definitely it's a, a vibe. vibe. It's a vibe. It's a Midwest I'll say vibe. It. Us Midwesterners are more laid back. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, we do appreciate you coming in here. Now, the reason we are here is we've had quite a journey. Ooh, yes. Upsets, um, things oh. I didn't think that would happen, um, old favorites, of course, going forward, but putting up, having to fight really hard there's been some excellent battles in this in and this we've matchup. got two films vying to get into the frightful four totally different films abs one for kids <laughs> and one about kids right <laughs> so we have scott derrickson's derrickson's sinister going up against uh tim burton's frankenweenie ashley which of the two films shall we start well, shall we talk first um, let's go with Sinister. Oh, okay. Let's let's make it work. Let's okay, now they haven't had a chance to listen to these yet, genius. So you might have to give a little context to why. So when I saw uh Sinister in the theater for the first time, for some reason mm -hmm. in my mind, his voice was the voice of uh Tim Gunn from Project Runway. I don't know <laughs> why. I don't know why. So entire the movie is like Hey, so I'm going to make a movie, and I just need you kids to just do a little something and just kill your family right over there. Just make it work. Just, just throw them in the car and lock them up and set it on fire. It'll be fine. Do more harm. And so, like, and so the whole time I'm sitting there watching in the rewatch, like, yeah, I'm going to fuck you up, Ethan Hawke. 
You don't even know what's coming for you. It's going to be wonderful. And the problem is at this point, I've now rewatched Sinister multiple times because it was a first time viewing for me for this tournament. But now every subsequent time I've watched it, all I can hear is Tim Guns in his he- yeah. voice when Mr. Boogie Thanks comes up. Yeah, now that's all we're going to hear. <laughs> so let me ask you all, was this by any chance, it was my first time viewing. Was this the first time viewing for any of you? No, um, we saw this movie in cinema. Um, big Ethan Hawke fans. Love Ethan and, Hawke. Um, yeah. We were just really, really stoked on it. Uh, actually, I had a buddy of mine text me the night it came out, and he was like, Ken, scariest movie I've seen in the last 10 years, hands down, is Sinister. You guys need to see it. Mm-hmm. We saw it the next day, and it's still one of my favorite films of the last 20 years, for sure. Definitely a good one. Jump scares and jump yeah, scares scared galore. the crap out of us. Quality jump scares yeah. in this film. Well crafted. And you know what? But here's the one thing that I don't understand. And like you saw in the theater, I saw in the theater. Um, Greg didn't, but he's now a, a recent convert to the, the Church of Bagul. But like uh-huh. it just I don't know if it's because it gets lumped in with the other one word horrors like insidious and conjuring uh, leading to confusion. But you hear a lot of people talking more about the insidious and conjuring universes than you do with sinister and sinister by far is an extremely scary movie. It's, it's not like, I mean, the jump scares work, but the unsettling factor of it sticks with you later. Yes. And yes. so why do I'm going to say the reason of, why yeah. um, conjuring and insidious get more attention. One is the cast. Mm. Um, I feel like the cast you have in those movies are a lot bigger. You know, Patrick Wilson, Vera Farmiga, um, you have them. And then Sinister only had the first one and then the very mediocre sequel. Well, I love the first Sinister. I think the sequel is quite mediocre. Insidious and The Conjuring really crafted a whole universe around their films. And they kept going and kept going. And, And I agree with you, Genius. I think that's unfortunate because... I think Sinister will absolutely stand for blow for blow with any film in the Insidious and Conjuring franchises. Mm-hmm. Um, as a standalone movie, I think that it's it's. I would even say it's better than any film in either one of those franchises. Honest well, to God. One of the reasons I was really excited to have you all on is the fact that Genius and myself are not parents. We don't have mm-hmm. kids. We Genius has cats. Mm-hmm. I have Charlie. You all do have kids. And we do. I'm curious to see if your parental perspective changed by any chance yeah, in did 2012. <laughs> did you have kids at that time? Well, I think this, it might have changed for Ash. I, I just said, fuck them kids and left. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> I already did my job. I gave them to what? you. You pushed no, them out. You, you did my job, job here is done. No. I did the hard part. Yeah, no, you didn't. The, the minute that kid <laughs> pops out of the box, he's getting kicked in the face and I'm gone. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you know this fucking kid. Or you know, if my kid comes to me like, "Dad, my dog died." Oh, baby, I'm sorry. And I, he's born again. I rebirthed him. I've seen Penny's Pet Cemetery. I'm kicking him in the face and I'm leaving. Either way, if I'm a father in either one of these films, kids getting kicked in the face and I'm leaving. What about you, babe? <laughs> well, I don't kick. My, I don't kick my kids. <laughs> we oh, here at Nightmare right. Junkhead don't condone the actions of one Ken Sledge. Guy. The, the thoughts of Ken Sledge are that of Ken Sledge alone. And maybe Genius McGee, but like. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what I was but curious. To, to no. be serious, um, I think that you definitely built, view films different as a parent as when you're not. And this is not a slight on anybody. Um, 
but you know, even movies like The Exorcist, you watch The Exorcist as a kid mm. and then you watch The Exorcist as a father and you have two completely different views on that film. Now, I like Carrie. Carrie's another and one. That's yeah. what we just watched recently that I, went, I haven't seen since I was a kid and my view on that was completely different. Now, now I really mean it when I'm talking about Carrie. Fuck them kids. Yeah. Oh, Go yeah. Carrie. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. But I mean, honestly, like. Uh, I know I joke and laugh a lot about my kids and shit. I adore my children. My children are my whole life. And um, the thought that there's something going on that I can't protect them from is seriously the scariest thing in the world to me. Um, so, you know, you watch movies like this with kids and you it genuinely scares you, not only because of the scary nature of the film, but I'm the type of guy that I always put myself in a film. And if something like this was happening to my son or one of my daughters, and I can't help. Like, that's the only job I have now. You know, as a 36-year-old father, my job is to make sure that when I'm gone, those kids are going to be able to take care of themselves because I did my job right. So it's moments like this in film where you're watching and you feel so helpless because you're watching what's happening with these kids. And it really does. You know, you watch a movie like this and you go give your 13-year-old son a kiss and he calls you gay and pushes you away, you know, but... It's one of those things where it's like, I don't care how you feel. You're my son. I love you. And now I'm going to kiss you because this movie made me sad. Yeah. You know, I'm going I'm, to give them some side eye if they're talking about having an imaginary friend. Like, yeah. what's going on there? Right. I was <laughs> going to say, did it make you a little bit more weary if like they start acting weird or something? Like, these kids are going to fucking kill me. Yeah. They're killing us. Yeah. We're dead tonight, I swear. Yeah. My daughter was painting some picture in her room of a girl on a tire swing. I was crazy. I ignored it. Yeah. <laughs> And this is why I love that, you know, people that have the pedigree in horror, they view things a, a particular way. We're survivors. We know oh, yeah. those first signs. Yeah, fuck them. Yeah. Dudes. <laughs> Look, I don't want to be too spoilery here, but what I love about Sinister is, um, you know, they find the problem and they're like, fuck, we're leaving. This is stupid. We're not staying in this house. And that was, you know, and that's obviously the mistake. The mistake. Yeah. You yeah. Know, but. I love that realism because if that's happening to me, I'm doing the same thing. Like, fuck this house. Yeah. I'm out. Yeah. I'm done. It makes sense. And they did everything they were supposed to. As soon as they know, okay, this is a bad house. Let's bounce. They just kind of flip, flip but I flipped the switch on them. And they just kind of like, it Didn't fell into they the do trap. the same thing in Insidious eventually as well? They where, did. yeah. It's not, did. And again, it's not so yeah. much the house haunted, but the children. Yes. Yeah. Right. And that's, that's what I love about these. And, we can get into that when we start talking about the pedigree of 2012 horror and what they were trying to do at that time. But it really was a smart era of horror. Now we say era, it was 10 years ago. So it's not like it was that long ago, but a lot of the decisions that were made in these movies were extremely intelligent. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's, that's one big thing that Ashley and I really look at is how smart movies like insidious and sinister are when it comes to a, a parent taking care of their children. And I think that it's, it's definitely the, the horror films are growing up with their audience. You know, the people mm -hmm. that watched the, that horror in the 80s now have kids. Mm -hmm. And yeah. right. they probably want something that's going to address the terrors of not being able to do anything yeah. with their kids. Yeah. And even yeah. I don't have kids, and that's still terrifying, mm -hmm. that feeling yeah. of helplessness. And you don't need an evil bagul to have something truly horrific happen. Again, you know, any, any parent that's experienced, you know, their kid feeling bad and you can't mm -hmm. help them that's 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 true horror mm -hmm. that is a if, horrible horrible feeling if you want to know how scary having kids are think about this tom brady retired for two weeks and said fuck this <laughs> i'm going back to football 
that's how scary kids are, <laughs> you know. Right. And yeah. then you got the idea All of stay at home moms are like, oh, okay, <laughs> listen, like, Brady. Um, but yeah, like, I, work I don't want to get too personal, but something really crazy happened in our 13 year old's life recently, and he sat at the table and cried. and I cried with him, mm-hmm. you know, like, um, I, I think you can't help but to, cause you try to, you want to take that pain away from him right. so badly, mm-hmm. but, and you, you see things like that and you're like, uh, yeah, especially with me as dad, I'm always the hard one, you know, I, I'm the iron fist. And then I see you crying and it's not like I'm in trouble and I'm crying to get out of it. It's a genuine, my heart hurts dad mm-hmm. yeah. and I can't stop it. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's, it's a feeling that you just, as a parent, you, you, you hate it. Mm-hmm. You hate it. And that leads us directly into Frankenweenie with a dog getting killed. Oh, good Lord. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of trauma going on in, in both things. of these two films, which is yeah. unreal. And to be honest though, I can't imagine being a teenager in today's society though, just in terms oh. of the changing just technology. It was hard enough being yeah. a teenager in the late eighties. Absolutely. Like, yeah, well, now you can't get away from it as no. a kid now you know you you leave school and it it follows you with technology and everything mm-hmm. you know, when, when we were kids if we were getting bullied we went home we kicked it with our brother and yeah. sister and it, it was, was done it that was over was at it. three yeah it was over at three started yes. back up again at seven right. but yeah, now but now it, it, there is no over at three yeah. you know but, you're getting snapchats you're getting facebook you're getting instagram and you have those couple friends on the internet that you really want to kick it with but you have these other people they're just attacking you all the time. And yeah. being a kid right now is really hard. And I, you get a lot of people like, well, these kids are soft. Listen, okay. They're, you didn't go through what these kids go through yeah. all the time every day. They're, they're it's tougher it's than definitely they different now than it was even when we were kids. Yeah, we don't have active shooter drills anymore. No. Well, and right. but I think they are they're very lucky because you guys are also on that precipice of understanding social media and having that perspective mm-hmm. to actually offer some empathy. And I think yeah. that's honestly, dude, that's going to go a long way for both of you. So, because uh, so. listen here, I cried today with my dad while I was in, in my bathtub. Okay, so from from you know dinner table to bathtub, father and sons are crying all the time, my friends. So it's one of those things that yeah. will continue twenty years down the line. And sp- for sure. And speaking of scary, yeah. so let me ask you, what did you guys think about the overall uh, look and aesthetic of Bagul? Because and and the movie in general, because like I, I know a lot of people like Bagul looks fucking awesome, and other people are like he's a Slipknot reject, and other people are like he's he should be more iconic than he is, you know. So where do you guys lie on the uh, design factor and sinisterness of Bagul? I actually like how he looks. Like I think he's super creepy looking, and he definitely does the job. So I I really like his look. What, what I love about Bagul, I love his look too. I don't think he's, you know, bad looking. Yeah. Um, I don't think he's bad looking. He's a good looking dude. <laughs> he's a handsome but, guy. Uh, <laughs> what I love about him is he is the villain, but he's so far in the background. Mm-hmm. You know, he's not your Freddy Krueger. He's not your Jason Voorhees, where he's at the forefront. And to be honest, well, what does he do except for random jump scares and hiding in bushes? until the end of the film when you find out that you're using his blood as poison and he's, you know, leading the children to what, you know, certain doom. And, um, I just, you talked about the seat, like the super eight shit in this movie is so good. Oh yeah. Like they actually filmed those on super eight film, which is super cool. This wasn't something that they did in editing 
you know, glossed over it. Like this was real Super 8 footage. And I think that really, really stands out in the film. It's, so it made it gritty because yeah. it made it real. Yeah. And then with that bumper, bumper, that, that um, music just made it hopeful and creepy. The sound design for sure. Yeah. Question Did any of you shoot home videos back in the day? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I was we in a make... multimedia class at like at um, in school. We, we made movies tech. for school. Yeah. All we made that, a zombie movie. We made yeah. a zombie movie we together did. when we were in high school. Have you ever have has it has the general public ever seen it? Um no. 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 <laughs> <laughs> no. And they're like, and it will never see the light of day. <laughs> no. If you no. all could have seen just, really the shared look us there. Having fun. No, that was perfect. That shared look though was wonderful. <laughs> that was perfect. And for some reason now I'm just picturing them two in the student film from May. Oh God. Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> Which I finally watched for the first time, and oh my god, that movie's good. May's dope. Yeah, it is. Angela, I'm actually having like a little remorse. bit of remorse. Yes, yeah. very much so, as it turns out. Well, um, other thoughts on Sinister before we do turn our uh, attentions to Frank and Weenie. Oh, one thing I wanted to talk about with Sinister that I think is brilliant. Um, one of the main characters, James Ransone, doesn't even have a name in the movie. <laughs> Yeah, what is it? He is just Detective So and So. He's credited that's as right. Detective So and So. And that's know? actually there's carryover into the next film, correct? Because uh -huh. he's actually yeah. in that he's one in as the well. He's in the main characters in the next one. And I, I love him. I think yeah, yeah. James yeah. He great. plays an awesome, like awkward, you know, goofy. Um, before, before we get into Frank and Winnie, do you want to talk about the uh, pool scene real quick? We oh, want some special shit. features so we could have some knowledge. You want to drop that poolside knowledge? About the practical effects. Oh, how they really, they really did um, pull them into the pool. Like the characters were really strapped, they were strapped down. down oh, through the chair. Fuck chair. That noise. They, down and they had divers. They had divers oh, at the dude. bottom of the pool. I was like, to give them oxygen. I was like, yeah, I'm not doing. Oh and hell no. The guy that played Bagul was wearing weighted shoes, yeah. and it was really him standing at the bottom of the pool getting oxygen that, in between takes. No fucking shit. Like, I can't breathe thinking about that. Yeah. That and, adds more creep factor to know that that was fucking real. I'm actually yeah. getting anxiety now. Holy shit, that's <laughs> scary. And you know what? I know. It's a very scary movie for being almost, almost a one-man show. Yeah. This is yeah. Ethan Hawke's movie. Oh, yeah. Well, it's Ethan Hawke and his sweaters movie. Well, I mean, let's not forget about the sweater. Oh, please. no. Yeah, we can't forget about Next that. Next best card against this side of Mr. Rogers. Sweater, and then they use Ethan Hawke as wardrobe, and he just went <laughs> along with it. It's kind of like slacks. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I mean, you know, so much of the movie is where it's just him kicking back, reacting to the movies. Mm -hmm. And what I love is the fact that they allow you to react with him and you only get like yeah. little snippets occasionally. I really dig that. In fact, I've actually was kind of watching this through a kid's perspective this last. I know that sounds weird, but I was actually thinking about jump scares and people that generally don't like horror films because they just don't like being scared and it's jump scares that really affect them. Good God, there's I some... Yeah. These are earned jump scares, yes, though. These I aren't like cheap yes. gun scares. These are earned and well-crafted, So, which makes me more excited for the black phone. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh I cannot yeah. wait. It comes out, it on, comes my out on Ashley's birthday. No yeah. way. Oh, fucking oh, right. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, so um, I'm excited. Two things. One, the working title of Sinister was Sweaterwister. 
So that's how much they love the sweaters. Was sweater it was supposed sweater. to be called sweater scare. But um, you were just talking about the jump scares. And I hate to toot our own horn, but on Sledgehammer Horror, we did our top 10 favorite jump scares of all time. And the lawn work jump scare was number two on that list. Like That, that one, that still gets me. Every, I, I've seen it yeah. probably single time. 10 times, and I jump every single time at that one. That's the best part of those effects. Like we were talking about with a thing. The the blood the blood, the blood test gets me every yep. fucking yes. time. Oh, and that's well, and between that and then that initial turn with the computer screen. Yeah. When he makes that turn, you're like, oh good God. It's yes. yep. it's there's subtle, there's obvious, there's all sorts of and stuff. And they're all yeah. effective. They're, yeah. And, and they're they all effective. different well, types I, of jump scares. I think lawn work is my favorite jump scare, but I think the scariest moment in this film is when the the family is buried in the snow. And you see the mom's eyes just look over at the girl and her, she's still breathing. And then you, it goes away. Yeah, and then it just stops. See. Like, yeah. just when her eyes move over and she's looking at her daughter. Like, you talked about being a parent. Like, looking at my kid knowing that they're killing me. Yeah. I still love them. Like, I'm not going to stop loving you. Like, you're lucky I'm frozen. I'd be beating that ass. <laughs> but, like, just that, that, that ultimate fear. Yeah. And what a shit way to die. Yeah. Man. Like, All of those are shitty that, ways to die. There's not a good pleasant way to die. But Gula's is fuckery. He's like, hey, let's just make it the most torturous, painful death possible. Let's yeah. make the same voice. <laughs> well, and the problem, now let me ask you this, though. Can we consider this a killer kid movie? Yes. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah. Yes. Okay. Yes. And we, and we, we, we love the killer kid genre, mm-hmm. and I just love to be able to kind of, and I don't know if that, like, spoils it, though, because that's the revelation with those final reels that we get. So I don't know if like knowing it's a killer kid actually kind of spoils the movie. I think so because I think the, the half the fun is like, oh my god, it's the kids killing everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Right. No. So spoilers for Sinister if you haven't seen so it. What's funny to me is like the kids kill people and then Bagul is literally feeding on those kids' souls oh, forever. Mm-hmm. Right. And it, no. listen, and you can watch this and make it just you know a killer kid film, a possession film, or you can read deeper into it and talk about like the cycles of abuse. And how it's carried yeah. over, like there's that's and that's again why we love horror. There's it's so many different things, and it's you're correct every single time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So again, other thoughts on uh, Sinister before we head over to Frank and Weenie? No. Okay. Well, let's make like a dog chasing a baseball and run over to the other one. Yeah, let's oh. go over to the other the uh, the other side of the the fence there. Um, so this was also a first time watch for me. Um, so that being said, was this an was this one that you all for, were familiar with? First time for me. I <gasps> took um, I took my son. He was actually four. We went and seen it in the theater together, and yeah, and I, I'm pretty sure we both cried. Confession time. I am not a, a Tim, Tim Burton, Burton animated film like fan. Tim Burton. I no, hold on. The most perfect movie ever made is Tim Burton. Pee-wee's Big Adventure is the only perfect movie that's yeah. ever been made in the history. Of I agree. The only Tim Burton movie and that that, like. that and Tim Burton's Batman. Yeah. I think okay. those two I, I genuinely enjoy, but overall, I'm not a big Tim Burton guy. See, I do like Tim Burton. Right. I hate Nightmare Before Christmas, and I catch shit for it all the time. Well, all actually, the time. Let me ask you this because this is kind of perfect because we go from like Genius said, a film that's about kids to a film that is technically for kids. How yeah. did it work for you? Was he? Uh, did he like? Did he have fun with it? He he did. Um, he had already seen a lot of Tim Burton's cartoons mm-hmm. before that. Um, so we kind of went into it knowing that it was probably going to be depressing and, you know, <laughs> there was going to be, yeah, 
but yeah, he liked it. We actually bought it when it came out on DVD and I think we watched it like every single night. Mm -hmm. So yeah, he really did enjoy that movie. The, the first two, my son's first two favorite movies ever were Frank and Weenie and Paranorman. Yeah. Cause Paranorman came out that year too. Oh yes. Yeah. yeah. And I watched that for yeah. the first time as well. Frank and, and Weenie beat Paranorman. In to fact, get yeah. In here. As it should. The re well, you know, but the reason that whole bracket came about was for Genius McGee. He was the one that was really pushing for both of those films to be in the tournament, and I am so happy. So, from from someone that saw it in the theater, Ashley, to you know, how long have you been bugging Ken then to watch this movie? Um, probably ten years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but look, it's, it's one of those things where like, whenever she brings it up, I'm like, it's, that's that fucking Tim Burton dog, movie, yeah, isn't it? That's exactly what he said. Because the thing is, one, not only do I not like a lot of Tim Burton, two. I I hate when dogs die. Oh no. Yeah. I yeah. Oh no. Kill the kids. You know. That's leave the dog it's, alone. It's always like that too. It's like, you know, the kids take them. Animals, those dogs, well, you better not. Have you seen mm -hmm. the original Paranorman? No. Original Paranorman? It's yeah, this is um this is the animated version. Tim Burton did. Oh, oh, oh Frank and Weenie. Frank oh, Frank and Weenie. Yeah, yes, I have seen the original Frank and Weenie. Yeah, Frank and Weenie. I have Frank seen the original with uh, Shelley Duvall. Yes. Yeah. That's cool. You know, like I actually watched that right after we watched the original, and I was like, wow, that you know, I don't hate Frank and Weenie. I think that it's, you know, a it's, lot of it's Tim Burton. I think it's Tim Burton. <laughs> yeah. You know, in all senses of the word, just like you know, Rob Zombie. You know, when I watch a movie, I know this is a Rob Zombie movie. Yes. When I watch, I know this is Tim Burton. And that's not always a bad thing. We were talking earlier about the score. I think the score in Frank and Weenie is phenomenal. Which most Tim Burton's Tim Burton's have amazing scores, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Especially that Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Now, that movie, <laughs> that movie got it right. And listen, you will find probably no bigger fans than Pee-wee's Big Adventure, especially like Genius. Oh, How me many and times? Dustin? Yeah. Oh, there was one time where we just walked into a gas station and we're having a full-on conversation across the gas station going, <laughs> ah! right? And so, no, yeah. And then it. it's just sometimes yeah. you just feel like knitting and knitting and knitting. But Ken, I understand the whole idea of the Tim Burton aesthetic, and either you really can you dig it or you don't really yeah. dig it. Yeah. Because it is an aesthetic. I mean, you can tell when it's a Tim Burton film. Now that being absolutely, it's like listening to Coheed and Cambria, and I love Coheed and Cambria. But the second they a, a, a chord is struck, you know this is a Coheed tune. You know, I, like you just know it. Technically, I've never heard them, so I might be the perfect person to actually, you know, see, you know, how you that works there. Not. I've never yeah. heard them. No, yeah. again, the, the the education of one Greg D. Apparently, oh, nice. <laughs> that's so, my favorite, my second favorite band of all time, behind Saves the Day. So make sure you check them out. So were you just sitting there the whole time watching the movie, just eyes rolling back in the head, going "God," or were you like, you know what? Actually, this is pretty decent. You know what? To be fair. I went into it with an extremely open mind mm. because I was going to be talking about it with you cats. So I was like, well, since I'm talking about it with Nightmare Junkhead, I have to pay attention <laughs> and I have to. <laughs> oh, no, I'm, I got to pay attention. I, I told the dog got ran over. When the dog got ran over, I was like, oh, we're watching a baseball game? Yes. This is even. Oh, the fucking. Are you kidding me? What the hell are we watching? Mm -hmm. And then you like, get to the ending. Yeah. yeah, it's like, it's burning and the, that fucking rat is a douchebag. <laughs> What is going on here? It yeah. sounds like you actually kind of went you on, went on quite a, journey. a journey. Yeah. <laughs> you, could, you could almost call it an incredible journey. Mm. <laughs> a big adventure, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> 
And it's come full circle. (laughs) So let me ask you this. As horror fans, do you think this is something that works as gateway horror? I mean, obviously, Ashley, you saw this with your kiddo in the theater. And we always talk about gateway horror and, you know, ideal films to transition the kiddos into horror. So let me ask you this. Along with Frankenweenie, I know Ashley for Ken. What other kind of films would you guys consider or have you considered as gateway horror? The gate. Hocus Pocus. Gate. Hocus Pocus. (laughs) So, okay. I grew up on the gate, but I only recently, a few years ago, watched Hocus Pocus for the first time. It's dope, isn't it? Oh. It's fucking rad. I love it. Hocus Pocus is slick. We went. We went to the set of Hocus Pocus 2. We did. Uh, we went out to Salem. We went to the set of Hocus Pocus 2. It, it was, was super like, dope. I was in heaven. Like, yeah. we went and seen, like, Danny and Max's house. And, yeah, I was in seventh heaven. It, sure. it, it was cool. It was the happiest I've ever seen my wife. And we've been married. And we have three kids. <laughs> we had a wedding day. <laughs> and that was the happiest I've ever That's seen my funny. wife. <laughs> but that is why the marriage is still working. Right. Yeah. So let me ask you guys this. Are you guys fans of the old school universal horror monster movies? Oh, 100%. Huge, huge fans. So what did you think about the homages and references in Frankenweenie? That was one of my favorite parts of the film. Um, And I think that one thing I can say about Tim Burton, when it comes to film, even if I'm not a huge fan of his stuff, the guy is so knowledgeable Mm -hmm. about every single genre of film. And he's a guy that, Every film he does, he takes so serious and he puts his own stamps of love in every single film that he does. And for him to reference the Universal Monsters, you know, it's alive, you know, like all those type of things that yeah. he does really, really, you know, and the younger generation isn't going to catch that. Yeah. You know, people like us that went and took our kids or were watching it with our kids, that's for us. You know, I'm going to give this to you as a thank you for coming and watching my film. And I, I think, the, like I said, I may not be a huge fan but to say the guy's not a genius is yeah. absolutely wrong. He absolutely is. And that's totally, and that's the other thing that I do appreciate you with your guys' perspectives as well, is you don't really harp on the negative. You only really talk about the stuff that you love. So yeah. speaking of stuff that you love, um, was there anything particular that you enjoyed about the movie? The plain white tees cover of Pest Cemetery. What about you? Was there any? Since you're the the bigger fan of the of the of the couple, well, did you have something in particular that you really enjoyed? Like, man, this is spot on wonderful. Oh, um, um, man, I don't. I think it's one of those things where you you genuinely love all the homages, like you said. Mm-hmm. But I think another big thing about this film is. The I can't think of his name. The boy, the nerdy friend, not Victor. Oh, not Victor. oh the um, uh, the Igor one. Yes. yes. I love that guy. <laughs> he's kind of a turd, but yeah, yeah he's he kind is. of a turd, but yeah, he's he totally me in fifth grade. That's why I like him so. The gangly teeth and all. And that's the beauty of what I like. This film kind of actually really captures is that youthful feeling and how. Just yeah. though, just simple things are like a day's adventure, and then unfortunately something goes wrong. Science comes into play, and you've right. got a kaiju, and you've got science. A- you're all idiots, and I'm trying to educate you. And let me tell you what you know. 
talking about stressing science and understanding, you know, the intricacies of it and the interpretations that of it. That played very, very prescient yes. nowadays. Yes. I was really surprised how prescient that played. Mm-hmm. And obviously, giving Ashley, you know, you do work in the health field, so you were very connected to that. And again, I'm not going to go on that that route, but it's kind of incredible that a kid's film, go, yeah. I go, oh, snap, and that a- happened. Ashley, was there a favorite scene or character or something from you in that movie? Um. So this is kind of generic, but I really like the end, how they all, you know, come together and um, they they start their cars so that Sparky can, you know, be revived again. Like, you know, they were they he was a monster, you know, and then and then they all came together and and Cause he went after Elsa. They thought he was going after Elsa, yeah, but it was really the rat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So would this fall rat. under Man is the actual monster? Would this play a double feature with Halloween Ends? Or Halloween Kills? Halloween Kills, yeah, Halloween Kills. Frank and Wayne, he dies tonight. But it does seem like, you know, the Man is the is the actual is. monster movie type well, thing. That, that harkens all the way back to Frankenstein. Right. And that was actually, it's funny enough, um, we did a March Madness bracket of villains, and Big Ghoul got matched up with Frankenstein. He was matched up with Frankenstein. And um, I said Big Ghoul would win that because Frankenstein is technically a baby. You know, he's just born. He's new. So as him being a child, Big Ghoul could overtake him. Yeah, I didn't agree with that. No, she didn't. She, I, she was like, Ken, you're an idiot. Yeah. Shut up. Um, Frankenstein is tough. Yeah, but I, I I love the idea, and it's funny that Sinister got matched up with Frankenstein right. here. I just thought that was hilarious mm-hmm. too. That's you know, well, and it's I mean Tim Burton though he has always been someone that identifies with the other. He you know yeah. is the person that is going to be rooting for the monster, and you can yeah. totally see that in this movie. And it very much does play like a love letter to those old Universal films. Really now mm-hmm. that being said, the kid's name is Victor Frankenstein. It's perfect. Yeah. It's yeah. perfect. Now. <laughs> Growing up, I wish my cat made a poopy of me. A poopy. <laughs> now, one of the things that and we're not talking nostalgia with this one in this round, and that's kind of how it's I think made it this far in the game. Did you all have you know childhood pets at you know growing up? Oh yeah. Yes. Oh yeah. Did you all have a Sparky that you would have d- gone to you know to Hades and back to bring back? And did this movie oh. make you cry? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Well, recently, um, we had we lost it. We live on a very busy highway, and our dog yeah. was hit by a car, oh. and I had to go find him. And I like I literally fell apart like trying to carry him back to the house to bury oh. him. Yeah, like, it was very so sad. Anything oh, sorry. with like I'm I said, so even sorry, before man. that, that but, hurt my um, heart. Oh. Even, yeah. even with you know dogs, like anything like that, like it's just it sucks, man. Well, you watch a dog die or a kid die. Okay, you watch a dog die, and you're always sad. You know. <laughs> That's but true. I'll tell you what. Even animated, when you watch Victor falling apart, and then, oh, you know, know when when mom and dad's talking to him and he's you know in bed, like oh, it's horrible. Yeah. Stop, stop. You're you gonna make me cry take again. That away. You talk, we talked earlier about putting the kid in the box, but well, when you see your kid laying there depressed because their oh. dog died, yeah, and you can't take that yeah. away. You know, you can't. And one of the lines I loved is like. He'll always be in our heart, no matter what. And then he's like, "I don't want him in my heart. I want him here yeah. with me." Mm-hmm. You know, like that. I was like, "Oh, 
God damn, Ariel Speedwagon, go write a ballad, son of a bitch. Yeah, broken heart right there. Yeah, that hit that hurt in the feels. Well, and by the day, oh, this, dude, yeah. for sure. The day this episode releases is um, a, a day after it's been a full year since I had to say goodbye to Lola oh. on March thirtieth. Sorry, but buddy. no, no, but it's been a full year that I've had Charlie in my life. And right. okay. that's the thing. We never say goodbye. You know, we never replace, you know, a pet. We just get right. a new member of the family. Mm-hmm. But well, that's always been in the back of my mind as Frank and Winnie has been going on this journey through yeah. madness at this yeah. point. And this is hit. Because I saw this we, movie. We always, so we, after the, our dog, oh, no. you know, got hit, um, our kids conned us into getting a puppy. Well, oh. okay, me. Me, I'm the one that did it. And he was like, oh, we're not getting another dog. I don't want this dog. Two days. It took two days. And guess who loves the dog more than anybody else? That's totally my dog. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. well, I came home and I see the dog. I was like, what the fuck is this? Uh-huh. Like, are you serious? Or? I was so mad. I was like, I am not even over and that then one I yet. come home and he's cuddling with it on the couch. Yeah, my God, I'm, I'm like, oh. Like, yeah, yep. And still this. to this day, I'm like, you know, Molly is my best friend still. Yeah. So it's, it's it worked out. But at first I was like. For that first 18 seconds, I was with it. Oh. Then and she licked me, and I was like, oh, you're a good puppy. Yeah, it's, 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 um, it's incredible how much you know how, I will admit, I like pets more than people. Yeah, God and you know what? Oh, I wasn't yeah. that. I yeah. wasn't always as pet friendly as I was. Now, you know, but like, because when I first saw this movie, I didn't have any pets or any animals, and I really never had. But the second time watching this movie now. Oh my gosh! I'm like, oh no! It hit me so much more harder the second time because of the animals. Well, we obviously have thoughts on both of these films, but at this point, we need to go ahead and figure out which one is going to advance into the next round. Now, the first bit of criteria we have here is definitely the one that's more abstract. So, we're going to ask you to create definition, aesthetic, philosophy, what have you, of what. Horror was like in 2012, and then based on that definition, which film fits it better? So, Ken Ashley, who would like to start? Let's start with the top grossing horror films that year. Um, You have Sinister. Mm -hmm. You have The Possession uh, with Jeffrey Dean Morgan, which was The Dybbuk Box? Huh? The Dybbuk Box one? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, You have Paranormal Activity 4. Which is a supernatural horror movie. Yeah. The Woman in Black, Mm -hmm. which is a supernatural horror movie. Mm -hmm. Then you have the Chernobyl Diaries, which just kind of came out of nowhere. But overall, I really feel like the aesthetic of 2012 was piggybacking off The Conjuring and Insidious and still staying with that supernatural horror. Mm -hmm. We hadn't really turned the corner yet. Now, um, I would consider Frankenweenie a supernatural horror movie. The dog dies. He brings it back. It's a supernatural uh, being at that point to me. Mm-hmm. Even though it's a made-for-kids animated film, there's genuine moments in this movie where you feel scared, where you feel anxious. And so I feel like these two movies could, even though uh, Frankenweenie is an animated film, you could make the argument that it is a supernatural film as well. So um, I feel like the aesthetic of 2012 was still on the supernatural horror aspect of things um and that's why i feel like these two movies are the perfect movies to talk about together because as different as they are they have a lot of similarities Mm -hmm. we talked about the grief process uh parents and children supernatural things uh so i mean they are very similar while being very different so that's my opinion on that so sinister get your vote though oh yes okay perfect perfect 
And that, this is not a knock against Frank. I think oh, Frank no. Queenie is a very, yeah. very good animated film. But when we're talking about what film affected me more, it's got to be Sinister. Yeah. I mean, it's a movie that I still feel like people are talking about today in the fact of, man, jump scares. This movie's got it. Man, comedy. This movie's got it. Intelligent writing. This movie has it. Yep. So for me, it's Sinister. What about you, my love? I'm going to have to go with Sinister, too. Even though I love Frankenweenie, um, yeah, I have to go with Sinister just because of, you know, the jump scares. And it really did affect me. And, you know, it's it really did scare me to my core. So It's one of the last movies I can remember that had as many jump scares as it had. Mm -hmm. And you didn't feel like you were being insulted with jump scares. Yeah, It didn't feel cheap. Absolutely. Absolutely. Excellent work. Excellent work. Uh, Genius McGee. So for the style of the times, the definition of 2012, I'm going to have to agree with Ken on this one because it just seemed like the ghosts, the whole possession thing was all over the place. It was kind of like in the it, when the J-horror boom, yeah. too, you know, the 90s and the early well, 2000s, yeah. yeah, where it's just opened the floodgate and for like about two or three years, it was nothing but insidious conjuring, uh, haunting, possessions, ghosts, uh, exorcisms, things like that. Not a lot of creatures and monsters. Yeah. And so for in 2012, I think for a better definition of, of the style of the times, I guess you onion could say, on the, the onion on the belt, my vote's going to go for Sinister. So I went ahead and I was looking at a lot of horror films from 2012, but then I also looked at genre in general. And two things of note happened in 2012. Uh, number one, we got the first Hunger Games. Yeah. Which, say what you will, I mean, it's basically I like the first two Battle Royale yeah. for a teenage audience. Yes, May absolutely. the odds be we ever offer, in your favor. We offer up our, you know, all of that good shit, right? But it's also the last film in the Twilight series. And say what you will about Twilight, I will defend it, even though I've never seen a single one of them. I guarantee that got a number of people into horror and uh -huh. yes. it is a horror film. It may not be for you, but it is a horror film. Mm -hmm. So I'm looking at those two, and they garnered a lot of money. A lot of money with both of those movies. A lot so, of YA. And then I was thinking about, well, may, you know, they're made for a younger audience, maybe bridging the gap, if you will. That made me look at some of the other films that we've talked about. Um, Paranormal Activity 4, definitely one for a younger audience. Uh, women, Woman in Black. Definitely going for the Harry Potter audience. Uh, Silent Hill okay. Revelation, going for the younger video game audience. So for me, I see bridging the gap, trying to find a way, something for both you know sides. And sinister, spooky, scary, definitely for adults only for the most part, you know. Yeah. But Frankenweenie, I think, is one of those that works for kids. It can work for adults, yeah. and it's bridging that gap. So. Based on that description, I'm going to say Frankenweenie. Dude, I like that one. I like I like the cut of your jib, and I want to subscribe to your newsletter. Well, appreciate that. Appreciate it. Now, the other thing, we're, we're, we're both talking about these films 10 years later, from 2012 to 2022, and I just discovered both of them for the first time. So question, when we're gathering 10, year, 10 years later for another Into the Mouth of March Madness, which of the two films are we talking about 10 years later? I'm still saying sinister. Um, I, I and for me, I think it's just because it had that much of an impact on me. Like, I think this is the last. No, Hereditary was probably the last film that really genuinely scared me to the core. 
But this film did. Like, this film really, really scared me. Like, the concept of it, the execution of it. I never, like I said, I never felt insulted watching it. Um, I never felt like there was a bunch of fan service to just try to make people go, ooh, or ah. You know, this was just, we're going to scare you. We're going to, you know, we're not even going to give one of our main characters a freaking name because not important. We're just going to, we're here to scare you. And that's what we want to do. And they've been talking for years about a crossover with Insidious called Insinister. And that is not a joke. <laughs> I'm, I'm being dead serious. They are doing a crossover called Insinister. I, and I'm I all for it. really, yeah. really want to see the ghoul versus Elise. I'm all you for know, it. Like, yeah. I, I, that's something I really, really genuinely want to see. So well, by this time, we might not be talking about Sinister or Frank and Weenie. In 10 years, we might be talking about Insinister. Insinister, yeah. <laughs> Ashley, which one are you still talking about 10 years later? I'm going to say Sinister as well. Just the kills, you know, and how evil they are. And it just, it, it sticks with you. Sticks with me for sure. Good call on the kills because that's something we didn't talk about a whole oh, lot. Yeah. Oh God, no! Well, you know, there's an old A1 commercial where they talk about it get you here and it get you right here, and I think those yes. kills they yeah, get you in both places. You yeah. Absolutely. Genius. I want to say Frank and Weenie, and I think for two reasons. One, well, first of all, nobody talks about these movies still now, right? But I think you add the factor in that you get the um, in Sinister mixed up a lot with the Insidious and the Conjuring. I, I did. And it's only going to get worse yeah. with In Sinister, you know? <laughs> and so I think because, and and so also because Frankenweenie got a lot more people at a younger age, at a bigger demographic, I think they're going to grow up with an appreciation for horror. The kids that saw that, mm -hmm. they didn't get a chance to see Sinister. And this is going to be a lot of kids' favorite fucking movie growing up. Yep. And so I think yeah. that carrying on, I think 20 years down the line, we're going to be talking about Frankenweenie. And that's, I'm going to piggyback off that. And I think because of the fact that this is going to be a gateway horror film, and let's face it, you know, a lot of us, if I had kids, there are going to be those movies I couldn't wait to pass down. And I yeah. guarantee... Oh, I couldn't wait to pass it down to Shorty. Yeah. I was like, hey, you got to watch this. And she is then, <laughs> therefore going to pass that down ideally to the next one, especially because they want, ideally, you want them to get into horror. And this is a yeah. perfect kind right. of film for that. And I think that ideally 10 years from now, 20 years from now, it'll still be in that rotation thanks to parents like Ken and Ashley that are introducing their kids to All that. Right. But regardless... Well, yeah, and it's like, it's funny because like, I guess normal kids that their parents don't watch stuff like that with them, you know, like Kenny's friends when he was little and we would watch it, they would get scared of Frank and Weenie. And I'm like, really? Yeah. Okay. No, there's a jump scare with the little friggin' sea monkeys that got gets yeah. me every time. It's legit scary. Yeah. But by a vote of five to three, making its way into the round of the frightful four, Bagul. Let's make it work. <laughs> Which means our final matchups in the round of the Frightful Four from 1982. We have The Thing going up against Blade 2 from 2002. And from 1992, we have Candyman going up against 2012 Sinister. Now, of course, that means on all social media on Saturday, you're going to have a chance to vote for the matchup between The Thing and Blade 2. Vote and show your work in the comments. Then on Sunday, the other matchup will be Candyman and Sinister, and then the winners of the Frightful Four will battle on Monday to see who is going to take the crown of this year's Into the Mouth of March Madness. Mm -hmm. Listen, man, it's when we come when we wrap up the 2012 episode, it's always like, ah, oh, we've got everything <laughs> done. 
And we couldn't have gotten here without the help of so many people, including Ashley and Ken Sledge. Thank you both so yeah. much. Yes, it was our oh. pleasure. So and amazing. Again, yes. have a blast at yeah. Horror Hound this weekend. Oh, yeah. And especially say hi to Adam and Zach from Atab, all of those folks. And you 100%. guys, Absolutely. yeah. And also, hopefully, spread the word of Sledgehammer Horror. Mm-hmm. And speaking of well, Sledgehammer, and speaking of spreading that word again, where can our listeners find you out there on the social medias? Uh, YouTube.com slash Sledgehammer Horror, Facebook and Instagram at Sledgehammer Horror, and Twitter at Sledgehammer Horror, H O R. Perfect, perfect. Again, we really appreciate you guys and everyone out there that has participated. Thank you so much. And thank you to everybody who not only came on the show, but has turned in in their brackets and done all that stuff. We really appreciate you guys listening and playing along. And we really appreciate all the other wonderful people we got to talk to on this amazing journey. It is a lovely journey. Now, that being said, the journey is finally finished for this year's Into the Mouth of March Madness. Now, next week, we're actually... We're staying local. Yes. For the month of April. Yes. Uh, include talking to a number of our favorite local artists. So until that time, this is Greg D. I'm Genius McGee. And we'll see you in your dreams. Gotta make it work. Bye.